People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time, each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. Give me a name. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling Slasher podcast. I'm Rich Crage alongside, as always gonna say the king of banter but i'm not doing that anymore the leader of the hardcore wrestling intelligentsia and a good family man mr joe lanza joe how's it going a good family man you said that one two weeks ago too so you're trying to make that one happen i like that one though everybody everybody uh enjoys that one did you hear i last week uh, joe gagney was kind of upset that you uh kind of took his gimmick of good family man joe so now he did got hear a- yeah i did hear him say that because unlike you um when you do a show without me i i <laughs> I do support it and this, I do listen to it. This is, I, I can't deny it. Yeah, you're right. So, so I did hear Joe uh, lament the fact that I stole really the only gimmick that he has, which is he's the, the Joe that's the good family man. But I mean, that's false. On every other podcast I did last week, because I did like 19 other podcasts on the pay side, www.patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. Um, pick the tier that works best for you and subscribe now. Um, I put over Joe Strong as the uh as the the godfather of wrestling podcasting so he will always have that as his moniker that no one can take away because there's joe gagney and there's colt cabana and there's like mike sempervivi and adam summers and those are like the doctor dr keith you gotta give dr keith his love dr keith okay these guys were doing wrestling podcasts before they were called podcasts maybe not colt but but colt has his own reasons that he belongs in that pantheon um but but these other guys were doing podcasts before they were even called that they were just like what were they even called just internet radio just or- internet radio shows radio shows i think it's probably just radio shows you know because we didn't know what to call them yet so that, that's for people that don't know i did a show during college with my my college buddy only cared about live so we did it on blog talk radio are we all of our pump was for live 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 listen live listen live listen live listen live we never for a second thought that anybody would ever listen any other time but live. We never once said that we have an archive. We never once said subscribe. We never once mentioned or uttered the word podcast or it, it was just to us. It was if you did not listen live, forget it. You didn't listen. You know what I mean? Like we just right. never even crossed our minds to promote that when we recorded a show and it was over that you could go back and listen to it. It just never even for a second crossed our mind at that point. And this is what, 2000, I don't know, 2006 to maybe 2010. We just never even crossed our minds to even promote yeah, I, the fact I, I, that you could listen. Yeah. I used to call that show and harass the both of you. Yes, I do um, remember that. Yeah, but um, 
I guess you'd have really to mad when we said Steve McNair wasn't a Hall of Famer. I forget if that was you or someone else. No, because I don't think Steve McNair is a Hall of okay, Famer. Okay, so it wasn't you. Some guy got like really upset, like death threats because we said Steve McNair. This is like the week he died. So, you know what I mean? Like maybe it's a little insensitive to do like the, hey, does this guy belong in the Hall of Fame discussion? But see, why did you hold on a second? Why did you come on the air the week the guy died to bury his Hall of Fame resume? Yeah, you're right. You're right. That probably is what made him upset. Yes. Because we were talking about him. And then somehow we were like, is is Stephen Nair a Hall of Famer? And then we spent the next like hour being like, no, he's not a Hall of Famer. And like basically just destroying his entire career. Um, Even though I like Stephen Nair a lot. But yeah, it didn't. uh... A good player. Yeah. Not a Hall of Fame player. Um, I called you guys up to kill you. Either Hall of Fame (laughs) husband. No, no, no. Yeah. Again, again, you know, rich speaking bad of the dead. Um, I think we did a lot of that joke at the time, too. We were we were like idiots. We were like 22 years old. Um, no, I called you guys up one time. One call I remember is when I gave you a, a hard time because um, uh, Andre Dawson, I argued that he was a Hall of Famer. And okay. you guys argued that he was not a Hall of Famer. And uh, I got on your case about that. I don't even feel that strongly about Andre Dawson being a Hall of Famer. I just wanted to break your balls. So I called up and took the other side. That's good, though. That's what we wanted, though. That, that was, that's what you, you really aimed for. And I think we, had a, we, had a, we did a pretty good job, I think, overall, of getting people uh, called riled in and riled up and stuff. But like I said, that, it was all about that. It was like our whole purpose. Yeah, no, it was, it was yeah, it was, I'm surprised I didn't have Andre Dawson as a, did John maybe not think he was, and I thought he was? No, you, you both were arguing vehemently that he was not a Hall of Famer. Oh, interesting. I think I like I argued, uh, Hall of Famer. I argued six-year peak. I think for like a five, six-year period there, he was fucking awesome, like before his knees went out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but uh, but yeah, I, I really didn't feel that strongly about it. It was just a total part of the interruption, worked argument. I just wanted to take the other side. So, And uh, I called you up and uh, bothered you on a Wednesday night. But um, – what about Dave and Brian? Would they be for the Iata show considered um, forerunners to wrestling podcasting or whatever it was called? Or, or was that something different? That was on the internet. Yeah, yeah. That, it was kind of weird in, in that sense. And um, it was, yeah, I don't even know what you would technically call it. It was, they called it just internet radio. Is, is Their term was internet radio. Internet radio, yeah. internet live radio, internet live radio shows. Like I said, there was not even a mention of like the archives or the podcast or whatever that you could go back. Yeah. I don't think we ever said, hey, we're our show just finished, but don't worry. You can listen to it here. <laughs> it's like, well, the show just finished. So fuck off. Like, it's nobody, over. You're not going to listen to this no ever one, again. No one had thought of that. It was <laughs> right, that like, oh, you might want to listen to this later or like tomorrow or, hey, you're doing a show at 7 p.m. Hey, in the morning, you can listen to this or, you know, it can come to your phone. Just never even crossed our mind at that point. So, yeah, when you say these people were way ahead of the game, they were because it was just like, yeah, it, it, the whole I mean, it seems we take it for granted now because our phones are just like, I mean, I have fucking 40 podcasts that download every single day or whatever. But that was not the case at all. You would either go. um so you probably didn't even have a phone that could probably stream stuff. You went onto a website, you know, the cubsfan.com or whatever, and clicked your little podcast or your little live radio show audio thing, and it would download, and then that was it. Then you listen to it that way. This was flip phones, maybe, when right, people started right. doing it. I mean, you know, a lot of people that didn't even have phones. I'd have to go back and look at the, at the year, but um, yeah, there's no way. People weren't listening to these fucking things on their phones. God, that no. just no, that that's relatively a new development. And this was like when a lot of people still had 56K, you know, when these things were out and you'd listen to this. There's just that distinct sound of 56K audio that no one hears anymore. You know that sound I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, for sure. Of, 
of 56k audio coming through your fucking speaker it's just a, it's just you don't hear that anymore but if you listen to like old clips of the old Yada show it kind of comes through a little like the old grainy quality of those shows it's just yeah but but uh Joe Gagne will always have that um you know see he was doing these things a full decade uh, before dopes like me and you were doing it. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about this week. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, New Japan's Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Of course, we're going to review that show. Uh, ROH's Death Before Dishonor. WWE Super Showdown. I'm going to do a big hot preview of the Australia show, but uh, probably not. Uh, we're going to do a bounce around Japan. Maybe a little bit of a mini bounce around Japan. Might be an ex- expanded bounce around Japan. We'll see where it goes. Uh, and then some other fun stuff along the way. Before we do all that, Joe, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by our friends at Dollar Shave Club. And Joe, you know this. No matter what you do in the bathroom to get ready, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to look, feel, and smell your very best. They have amazing shower stuff, hairstyling products, toothbrushes, toothpaste, and of course, razors and shave supplies. Joe and I both use Dollar Shave Club. Joe, you, you, you've talked about the experience, the executive razor. That's your thing. The butt wipes. You love the butt wipes. You love the Dr. Carver shave butter. We use them all the time. We know all about Dollar Shave Club and you need to know about it too if you don't already. No matter what you do to get ready, Dollar Shave Club has something for you. They have every single thing you need. And right now you can get ready with an amazing deal on any of their starter sets. We recommend the Daily Essential Starter Set because, of course, we love the Amber Lavender Body Cleanser. Joe, I know you use that every single morning. The lovely Brittany always comments on how good you smell because of your Amber Lavender Body Cleanser. You can go that uh, way with the Daily Essential Starter Set, or you can pick whatever starter set works for you. You cannot go wrong with any of them. All you have to do, head over to dollarshaveclub.com slash voices to pick your Dollar Shave Club starter set. That's going to be just 5 bucks. So you go to dollarshaveclub.com slash voices, pick your starter set, just 5 bucks. After your starter set, products ship at regular price, and make sure you check out their new video too. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. Once again, dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. So we thank them very much for sponsoring this week's show. Joe, where do we have to start here? We got Fighting Spirit Unleashed. We got Death of Fortis Honor. We got a lot of stuff, a lot of business to talk. Uh, I, I don't know where to begin. There's a lot of fun stuff to get into to the, this week. I think Fighting Spirit Unleashed, because if we don't talk about the Clark Connors versus Alex Coughlin uh, dark <laughs> match on that show, uh, people are going to be very upset. I had no idea there was a dark match. Yeah, did that air? I didn't, I didn't see it. Well, Rich, they're called dark matches for a reason, my friend. Oh, bullshit. Um, Some dark matches air. That's true. Um, How dark this was the match? This one did not. Very dark. Uh, it's very dark then. <laughs> it did not air. Uh, Clark Connors versus Alex Coughlin. Uh, you know, when Omega cut his promo at the end of the show, he mentioned peeking his head out during the dark match. Well, for another reason, though, to check out all the empty seats in the arena. But well, yeah, that's what he right. said. Yeah, that's what he said. But he said it was. But he said it was during the dark match, which yeah. threw me off. I was like, I had no idea there was a dark match. But oh, I that's when I found out too. Yeah, then I looked on Wikipedia and I was like, ah, Clark Connors and uh, what's that? So those guys both trained by uh, Shibata, correct? In the uh, LA Dojo, I believe. I don't know if they were explicitly trained by Shibata, but they're LA Dojo guys, if I remember correctly. These are LA Dojo guys, yeah. I think uh, they announced a couple names for the uh, what are they calling the Lions Gate shows? That oh, are I had Gates. it up and then I just closed it. Yeah, Lions Break, I believe, is the name of it. Lions Break, Lions Break. Yeah, it's going on during a convention as well, so you can see some of that. Right, they've got a couple of the students working those shows too. They announced some like legitimate matches for that thing. I yeah, think like Goto doing- and Cobb. Yeah, Goto and Cobb's one of them, and I think uh, Omega and Finley. I was correct, one. which is bizarre. I mean, I guess they want to get him off to a good start, but um, to have the IWGP heavyweight champion working a match against a prelim wrestler at a convention is pretty weird. Um, so I was thinking these would be like the Lionsgate shows in Japan, where it's just, you know, the young boys on this side of the Pacific Ocean wrestling each other and wrestling select veterans, maybe Rocky Romero, people who are around Scorpio Sky. That's what I was expecting. 
you know, Scorpio Sky beating Clark Connors, Rocky Romero beating Alex Coughlin. You know what I mean? And or maybe, you know, these young guys wrestling each other, you know, similar to the Lions Gate in Japan. But this is a biz- it, it, I mean, I, I don't know what to expect now. You know, when you've got Omega working a match and, and a big match like Cobb and Goto, which was, um, you know, built on this show, which which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, what's just for some details on those November 10th uh, and then November 11th. And this is at the Anaheim Convention Center. So I forget that I, I, I can't find the exact convention it was on, but it's it's some convention going on at the Anaheim Convention Center, uh, November 10th and the 11th. Uh, so you have, of course, as we mentioned, Roki Goto and Jeff Cobb. That's going on on November uh, 10th. And then the following day, Kenny Omega and David Finley. And it says also uh, scheduled to participate Jushin Thunder Liger, uh, Ryusuke Taguchi, ACH, and Rocky Romero, in addition to Clark Connors now Coughlin as well. So that's like a legit, you know, that's a, that's a crew there. You know what I mean? Like Finley, yeah. you know, Romero, Taguchi, I mean, ACH. I mean, they're bringing, they're bringing some actual guys there. So that's kind of cool. I'm going to work under the assumption. I didn't realize it was two days. So I guess Omega Finley will headline one of them. Correct. And Goto Cobb will headline the other. And maybe the other matches will be like, I just speculated on uh, pushed stars against the dojo boys or dojo boys against each other, but yeah, or just local um, Carolina or uh, California talent. Maybe I, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I'd imagine just dojo just, guys. I mean, you have them which there. Is what a lot of the dojo guys are. Right. I mean, if you watch the Shibata documentary on new Japan world, I don't know if you did. Um, there's an English version and a Japanese version, uh, but you'll notice a lot of recognizable California indie wrestlers are part of the dojo, like the hobo from uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood. Oh yeah. 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 He's the guy that like throughout that whole documentary is like driving the ring truck and breaking the ring down and building the ring back up. And um, you know, of course uh, uh, there's some other talent that's recognizable from the Southern California indie scene. So that's mostly who the dojo guys are. So, you know, it's interesting though. I wasn't expecting matches of that caliber for sure. But um, there's also meet and greets, Joe. I know uh, Harold May is going to be there for a meet and greet. If you want to meet old Harold and say, Harold, just, you know, nobody wants to really meet you. Just, just stay in the back. I'll you know? tell you what, I'd, I'd like to meet. I've got some questions for him. Okay. Well, then maybe that's what the meet. I don't know if the meet and greet is more of a uh, <laughs> a grill session. But, yeah, if you want to uh, pick the brain of old Harold May, you can go to uh, the NRC. Uh, when, K- when I met Kadani, I grilled him. I mean, oh, that's true. I forget you. I forget you grilled Kadani. He didn't know what you were saying and he didn't give a shit. But yeah, you grilled him. I forgot about that. I, I had a translator. I grabbed Shofunaki. <laughs> Your translator, Shofunaki. Yeah. And I said, Smackdown I number one announcer, Shofunaki. So. That's right. And this is a 100% true story. I've told it before, but not in a while. I grabbed Shofunaki. I said, Hey, I would like you. Would you, would you mind translating? I would like to have a conversation with uh, Mr. Kadani here. And he said, Yeah, no problem. And I did. I grilled him. Um, now I have no idea if Funaki was being forthright with me. <laughs> it was one of those deals where like I'd ask a question and Funaki would translate it and Kadani would be like looking like very inquisitive, like this guy asked that, you know? And he'd give like a really long, intense answer, and then I'd get like four words back from Funaki, <laughs> who may have been sparing my feelings as this guy told me off. I have no idea. You know what I mean? So but yeah, if I yeah, Harold May, I'd absolutely grill him. It would be my duty. For the listeners of this show to grill that man, I think there's a lot of questions on uh, some of his new directions. So, uh, yeah, I think someone should go to that meet and greet and put his feet to the fire. He makes a lot of money, as yeah. we would all yeah, presume. Therefore, yeah, that's his, yeah, he can handle it. Okay, he makes the big bucks. That's his job. He, he's going to put himself out there. He's going to answer some tough questions. I got a lot of questions for him after this fucking show. I can tell you that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, let's get to the business end of the show real quick. So I, I did the review for the website. So I'll break down kind of what I said. 
uh, initially, I think the big thing is going to be the attendance. And I know we're going to touch on this a lot, and then we'll get to kind of the, the, the meat and potatoes of the show itself. Uh, so the attendance for this show was an announced 3,007. So 3,007, that's down 31% from the 4,372 that Strong Style Evolved had. So 31% down, uh, and that was the same venue, of course, in March. Uh, the lowest mark of a United States New Japan show since night two of the G1 special in the USA a couple years ago. And that's not exactly fair because that was a much, much smaller venue. But, Joe, I mean, and there's the no... Yeah, it sold out. It sold out in that venue, and, that, and right. if you recall, we were on the show saying they could have ran a bigger building. I think sold out right. in second. You know what I mean? Like that was so. That was one that was like, oh boy, they probably under underestimated Absolutely. the amount of people that were going to come to that show or the amount of interest that they had in that show. So yeah, that's you know when I say it's the lowest mark of that one, the lowest mark of a show that sold out in a half a second. You know what I mean? Like so that's that's right. it's bad. I mean the big number there is thirty one percent down from what they did in March uh, for Strong Style Evolve. So there's really no other way to slice it. It's a tremendous negative, right, Joe? This three thousand and seven. What, what are your thoughts on that number? There's no, there's no spin. It's a failure. It's, it's their first big time failure in the United States because I don't consider Cal Palace a failure. They drew sixty three hundred fans of the Cal Palace. Now, you want to tell me they didn't sell it out? I mean, we've talked about this already. I, I, you don't want to call it a massive success. I, that's fine, but I don't think you can call Cal Palace a failure when you draw sixty three hundred fans with a match that people saw two months earlier. On top of, on top of that. Uh, in the same country. So this, it to me, is the first, this was a fail. And I think there were a lot of contributing factors. But the main one was, I think what we know now is the New Japan paying, ticket-buying customer in the United States as a fly-in customer base. Because they didn't announce this card until a few days before the show. And I think even if you liked the card, it was too late to make plans to fly out to California this is something people need to plan for. They're not no no one's going to impulse buy a ticket to a show that they have to fly to. So I think announcing the card a few days before the show absolutely hurt things and that's just a byproduct of how they do business because you had to run the destruction shows first, but right. there really wasn't much here that required keeping secret until the destruction results were right. the only one would have been Gato and Jay White on the same team like that you could have but I mean you could have really done 95% of this card without destruction happening you know nothing was really dependent on destruction could have you could have announced the main events what would have been the issue of announcing Omega and Ibushi versus Okada and Ishii Right. Yeah. That's, that's just normal chaos. Normal. Yeah. That's nothing was different with that. And that, that's a great, I mean, that's a, that's a viable match. You know what I mean? That'd be an incredible match as well. Yeah. But that's a match I would buy a ticket for. Yeah. And when that match was announced, people went, holy shit, what a great main event. The consensus was what a great main event this show has. I I'm convinced that would have sold some tickets. How many, I don't know. And we'll never know, but I do think that that hurt it. And I do think now it's very clear that it's very much, a fly-in crowd for New Japan, and it would probably be advantageous for them to do what a lot of people have been saying that they should do, and 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 you know take off the uh, take off the training wheels and run some shows in other parts of the country, you know, because you're going to keep getting diminishing returns the less special each passing show is, and it's going to be less likely that people from the East Coast are going to fly all the way to California unless you really give them a blowaway show. So it would behoove them, I think, to run a show in Chicago or try a show in other parts of the country to draw a different audience. Because the first time you go to any market, there's a novelty factor there that's oh, going to sell tickets yeah, yeah. before you even announce a single match. There's no more novelty factor in California. So I, I do think that hurt it. Um, you know, I, I don't think 
it was a bad card. I think the card they announced ended up being a pretty damn good card. But people weren't going to buy tickets five days out and fly to California. Yeah, it's not like they can just hop on, you know, last minute hop on a train and or do that or get in their car and go. I mean, this is it requires a lot more in America. And I think maybe they're taking that. And I'm from day one when they were doing these U.S. shows. I was always and I, don't, I know you remember this on the show. I always thought it was a bad idea to wait for the, the to announce the matches. And I know why they do. I get why they do. That's sort of the old school thing. But I think with America, especially like because my assumption was always that these people coming into this aren't always going to be in your area. Like you'll have your your base, you know, pro wrestling fans in town X or whatever that are always going to you know go to a show if they do it. But by and large, a lot of your crowd is going to be. I mean, we saw that with All In and like the amount of people traveling in for All In or the amount of people traveling in for the things that like you're going to need to get those people and they they have to plan months out. They got to plan weeks out. So the idea that you can just sprinkle a few little matches here and there and then hope that they're going to come is, is tough to do. And and you can honestly, you can do that. If, if you want to announce three matches ahead of time, they got to be good matches, though. You know what I mean? They cannot be. And I think this is what we saw with this 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 show as well. And and we've been screaming about it from the beginning when they've been doing this U.S. expansion is that there's this assumption that they have, which I think is a bad assumption. And it's showing here that that we want that American fans, I'm using we as like American fans, want relatable faces, people that we know white guys you know non we want we need juice and cody we need you know cj parker and cody rhodes to be in there because that'll interest us because we know about them we need the young bucks because we've heard of them we need you know this guy and i think that shows are no different than the show you'd run in japan give them an authentic the american fans feel like they're getting experience make them feel like they're important let's let's cater to them or oh here's guys that you know oh here's Co- juice robinson and cody rhodes and like that's not to say that it's not a good match and it, it, it ended up being a pretty fun match but i just don't know that's enough that i'm gonna fly from new york to california because you gave me juice robinson and cody but if you gave me i've, I've mentioned it thousands of times and okada tanahashi i'm flying there in a minute you know what i mean like that is special that is unique that is different a a, a real time iwgp heavyweight championship man whether it's kenny omega versus whoever a real deal one-on-one IWGP title offense against maybe uh, you know an, a, 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 a like you know a real Ishi like if it was Ishi and Omega that's one that again like but what we're getting is not these authentic we're, we're, I feel like we're very much getting watered down you know Americanized shows and this one felt that way all the announces all the matches they announced felt very here here you go this will be relatable to you whereas we said you could have done the Okada Ishi and 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 Abushi. Omega and that would have been fine like that that's a match that I think you should announce that you should have announced that you should have tried to use to sell tickets they didn't instead they went with the Bucks they went with Marty and Osprey and they went with Juice and Cody as the three matches that were going to get people to fly across the country and we saw they didn't I mean you got 3,000 which is still a pretty good number all in all but yeah people just did that for all in and like we talked about in the summer saturated way oversaturated yeah like during the summer there were something like seven opportunities to see new Japan wrestlers in the United States and not all of those were New Japan shows, but there were still seven opportunities to see New Japan wrestlers in the United States. And a lot of people spent their summer going to All In or going to ROH shows or going to Kenny Omega's produce show and seeing New Japan wrestlers. Well, not that many people went to that one. I doubt, I doubt anybody yeah. that we're mentioning went to that one. <laughs> but, but, but no, the point still stands, yeah. But when I look at this show, when I'm looking at this show now, it – I think they would run this exact show in Japan. I, I don't think that this is wildly different than a show that they would run in Japan with the exception of maybe the very deep undercard. You don't have your third gen veterans that they never bring over. I mean, that's really the only difference, but I think 
when they first announced the first few matches, it was what you're saying. It was the elite. It was basically just the elite that they announced yeah. when they announced the first with few other matches. guys. It was the elite featuring Juice Robinson and, and the Grills of Destiny, and 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 that's it. Yeah, and Will uh, Will Osprey. Right. But I mean, he, I think he's pretty adjacent. I, I think they would probably consider him one of the the marketable guys. But yeah, it was Marty. It was the Bucks, and it was Cody. Were the the promotion. Yeah, and the stuff that they held out was stuff they felt like they had to, which they didn't. Like we said, that main event could have been announced. Basically, we know that Cody Rhodes versus Juice Robinson can draw 3,000 fans because that's that's what people bought their tickets based on. We know that the New Japan base in California is 3,000 fans. We know that now, and we know that it's a fly-in. It's very heavily still a fly-in crowd because there was no – massive jump in ticket sales when they announced the whole card because everyone in California that was going to go to this went and already had their ticket Um, because the main event didn't add anything. It was too late. So I don't know. You just chalk it up as, as, as uh, you know, live and learn. Now I'll tell you what, with the benefit of hindsight and seeing what has come out of this show, I'm going to tell you what the main event of this show should have been. The main event of this show should have been Omega versus Bushi versus Cody. They should have done that match on this show because Cody is a bigger draw here than I presume him to be in Japan. Um, and I think that match would have worked better as a main event in the United States. I think there's a certain segment of fan that would have been excited about that match in the United States. Oh, absolutely. States. Yeah, yeah. And ticket sales are sluggish right now for King of Pro Wrestling. I think that you know, inserting Cody into that match is a big mistake. I think Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi would have sold out King of Pro Wrestling. And I think Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi versus Cody would have sold a hell of a lot more tickets to this show than Cody versus Juice Robinson did. The problem is even if they would have went that route, they couldn't have announced that three-way for the title because they needed to wait on the results of Omega and Ishii. So you still would have run into the same problem. But in a perfect world, you do the three-way in the United States, and then you do Omega versus Ibushi in Japan. Um, right, because you're still giving the American audience something that feels important. It's something that they, you know, that because that's a match still of consequence. It's still Omega defending his title. It's a triple threat. It's got Ibushi in it. I think that helps. And of course, yeah, with Kenny or with Cody, I should say, you know, Cody has, of course, a draw in America. I mean, he has a bigger deal in America than he is uh, basically anywhere else. But um, yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's because just doing I, that match as a three way at King of Pro Wrestling that it was a real deflator for a lot of people. I don't want to see that. I know you don't want to see that. People were hyped up when it looked like they were going to do Omega Ibushi, and then Cody came down. Now, to be fair, that got a great reaction live, but that speaks to my point. That should have been the match in the United States. Right, right. Because the, the, the United States crowd was way, obviously looking at ticket sales, the United States crowd was all about that. I don't really, because that was what I was, because, you know, I'm reading the reactions. I, I kind of got spoiled on what was going to happen after the, because I watched Fighting Spirit Unleashed a few days after uh, it aired. And when I heard the, so the, the internet reaction was, oh my God, uh, gross, uh, triple threat. And I kind of agree, you know, we'll, we'll get to that here in a sec. But then when That's I listened terrible. to the crowd, the crowd went nuts for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's exactly what those, that type of crowd, the crowd that either went for the elites or the 3,000 that were saying that went to go see Cody and Juice and the elite guys, that crowd was all about a triple threat 
main event with Cody, Coda, and, and Kenny. But the Japanese audience, not so much. The hardcore wrestling fans, not so much. But you know, so that's that's where, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That if that had been the main event of this show, I think it would have done tremendously well. And then I think, yeah, the King of Pro Wrestling, I think would do a lot better if it was just Omega and Ibushi. It feels very very weird with with Cody in the in, in the mix there for sure. Omega and Ibushi just sold twelve thousand plus tickets at Budokan Hall, right? And you do that for the title. It's um, it's selling out. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. It's selling out King of Pro Wrestling. I have my doubts that putting Cody in the match will produce a sellout because you look at Cody in Japan, he parachutes in for the big show at the end of every tour and he works in the mid card. Now, those fans understand he's a main eventer when New Japan runs in the United States. They watch the shows. They have New Japan World. They know that. But he's never been presented that way in Japan. He's always been a mid-carder, upper mid-carder at best. A guy who's part of the Omega Ibushi storyline, but has never been a main event player there. And it's going to be interesting to see if that show doesn't do well, it's just, to me, an outright rejection of inserting Cody into the match. Which I would understand. I completely understand that. If those fans aren't into that. Now, we may all be wrong about this, and the show might do very well anyway, but I do think ultimately the ticket sales and also the fan reaction to that match and the near falls and those sorts of things will tell the tale as to whether Cody is over in Japan or not. I suspect he's not. He's never been over in Japan. Cody comes out for his matches to basically silence. Right, right. And I think what you're saying, though, is is important because it's like we, we you know, we see him from the frame of, of, of America where he's a Hall of Famer or a main not eventer a and a big deal. Ooh, yeah, not Hall of Famer. Yeah. Hold on. I was looking. I was reading. <laughs> my screen said Hall of Fame. So I got, yeah. got a little excited there. A little ahead of myself. But, but the uh, guy's a legitimate draw in the United States. Yeah, he's a, he's a big deal. He's a draw in, and he's a main eventer in, in the United States. But in Japan, if you really look at it, if you stripped anything that's you know him in America, the the match with you know Kata in America and stuff like that. The stuff that he does in Japan is 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 really by and large, like you said, mid card, upper mid card is about the the peak where I'd I'd put him at. Where yeah. Koda and, and Kenny are among the biggest stars of in the entire country and the biggest draws in the country. We we've talked about that many many times, and they've proven it time and time again as well. So when you throw Cody into there, it feels weird. It feels like two big time Japanese main eventers, and then Cody, who you know. Is big in America, obviously we've mentioned that before, but in Japan he's not seen as that. He comes out like you said, he parachutes in for the big shows, does a tag match, maybe he's got a singles match against a Finley, a singles match against a Juice, you know, a singles match against you know some of these guys. Even in Wrestle Kingdom, he's you know what what fourth or fifth from the top or whatever. I mean, that's about where he's at, and that's about what he's been slated at and, and he's not there every single week and and guys make note of that too if you remember during g1 promos juice robinson would say hey where have you been like you come you can't just come into here and tell us how to do and 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 you know come on here and, and and think that you can take our spots and all that sort of stuff and i think there's a segment of the japanese audience too that responds to that of like hey no no these other guys are out here busting their ass night in and night out and who are you to just you know fly in on you, you know the the big time show or you know once a month or whatever and that's not to say that there's like a negative reaction against cody i just don't think they have the same passion for him they don't they're not as attached to him as 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 they are to you know guys who are there day in day out we're gonna find out fast now what do you think of the john carroll theory host of wrestling omakase which you can listen to on the voice of wrestling podcasting network that kenny omega and abushi it's 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 very plausible that they rejected doing a singles match at king of pro wrestling because they want to save it for a bigger spot Omega has hinted at Madison Square Garden yeah. has been what he has hinted at because remember Omega and Ibushi didn't want to face each other in the G1. We were right, told we privately. Yeah. We were told privately that they didn't want to do that match and Gato had to really beg them to do it and they agreed. 
because he knew he needed that match running Budokan Hall three nights in a row. So we know they didn't want to face each other in the G1. Do you think it's possible that this time, because Gato won the first argument, that he kind of had to give in to them here and say, all right, we'll do a three-way. You know, is that because that's it sounds plausible. Yeah, no, that, I think it is. No, and, and I don't know if you read this week's uh, Wrestling Observer, but Dave said that exact thing. He said that Kenny Omega, you know, and I, again, we know that, you know, Dave's sources in New Japan are, are sometimes very, uh, very primary, those sources, hint, hint, you know what I mean? That's, sure. yeah, that Kenny straight up just, that the idea was, or the rumors floating, I forget the exact verbiage they used, essentially, you know, I'm just kind of paraphrasing here, that he felt that it wasn't a big enough moment for when they want to do their eventual big time title. So match. John that, nailed it, is what you're telling Exactly. Me. Yeah, I think John said it a few days prior, and then yes. Dave essentially then kind of came with the same thing and and again when i'm saying primary sources i mean you know people involved in that match may have told dave that the reason why we're doing this is because he doesn't feel it and in parentheses was wrestle kingdom madison square garden like that was that was mentioned there as like those are are what would they consider important enough and maybe they didn't feel this king of wrestling was important enough for which is crazy like the right time yeah for them to do it but which yeah it's in sumo fucking hall man like so here's here's what this tells me gato just wants to book the best matches for the company to draw fans and he's got a diva champion who's a pain in the ass. That's very possible. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, let, let me read. Let me read the exact that that Dave put because I think I don't want to paraphrase here. I want to get exactly because I think we know that. Yeah, the the source is probably very close to the situation. So sure, you have uh, listen. We all know the source is Omega. That's <laughs> right, okay. All right, there it is. Yeah. So you're you're getting probably a bit of a slanted view here. But but go ahead and read it though. Let's yeah. Let me, but, let me but, but if that's the case, place, then yeah. it's a great source because then Omega's not going to lie about not wanting to do the match. He's gonna, if anything, Omega would lie in the other direction and not want to take the heat. Right, right. You understand what I'm saying? Because if this doesn't draw now, it's on Omega for talking the company out of the match. But go ahead and read it. Yeah, one sec. Sorry, it's uh, you gotta do like eight clicks now to get to the goddamn. Uh, all right. So, <clears throat> after the Fighting Spirit Unleashed show was over, the and the angle shot for King of Pro Wrestling main event, uh, Kodobushi um, uh, Omega's interview was very different from anything you'd see. Oh, you know, I did not listen to this, so maybe this is actually the source. I watch. I watched that interview. Watched okay, so maybe let me know if this is exactly what it was. I did not watch that interview, but here's here's what Dave said here. Uh, he uses some parentheses in here, which I think means sure. you know some other things that he maybe have heard. Uh, Omega basically said that he knows this isn't the match people wanted to see, but to tune in anyway because they were going to put on a special, unique match and so something different. I uh, said that despite what New Japan officials may want, that he and Ibushi had a pact that they would not do a rematch unless it was in the building bigger than Budokan Hall. Translated, that means next year's Man Square Garden show or the 2020 Wrestle Kingdom show at the Tokyo Dome, or a larger but unspecified third arena. Is the, that was all in parentheses, by the way. He also said that while he personally would love to defend his title against Toriano, that, that, yeah, okay. So it doesn't matter. That, that, that we don't really care. Okay, so there so. you go. So Dave, so the parentheses are Dave editorializing. Or, yes. Or, or say parentheses knows, translated, saw... that means Madison Square Garden show, the 2020 Wrestle Kingdom show at, at Tokyo Dome, or a larger but unspecified third arena. So that's Dave analyzing, editorializing that part right there. So something bigger than Budokan Hall to him. Omega so, so says, I want to do something bigger than Budokan Hall. And Dave translates that by saying MSG, Wrestle Kingdom, or a, another arena, whatever it may be. So Omega straight up says that was the deal for doing the Budokan Hall match. We'll give you this one, but the next one has to be the biggest match possible, which yeah. isn't King of Pro Wrestling. So, you know, you put Cody in it. Now, you know, if I'm the company, it's like, okay, Abushi's not a contracted wrestler. You can't put these guys at gunpoint and tell them to get in the ring. Um, you know, it, it's like it, it, you, you needed it for Budokan Hall. It, you're kind of, you know, this is typical pro wrestling political bullshit that you've seen over the years with big stars uh, attaining power and calling their own shots. 
And, you know, they don't want to do a second match until it's, uh, you know, the biggest match possible. The problem is that puts the company behind the eight ball. Now we have this dopey three-way for King of Pro Wrestling. Um, it's, it's a tricky spot. We'll see if they get away with it. Um, early ticket sales are not super encouraging. We'll see what happens. My gut tells me they don't sell that show out, though. I don't think the Japanese fans are very excited about a three-way match for the title, number one, and a three-way match involving Cody, number two. I just, I just, I just don't see it. And, and you know, we're seeing uh, pro wrestling political bullshit get in the way of the IWGP heavyweight title for the first time in many years. Uh, we didn't see this with Tanahashi. We didn't see this with Okada. Not that we know of. And here's the thing. The fact is, if we didn't know about it and it didn't become news, then even if there were political maneuverings, and Tanahashi's a guy who's protective of the business and of himself. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's pretty outward and transparent about it yeah. when, when it's when it when it occurs. Correct. Yeah. But if it didn't make news or anything like that, and 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 it clearly didn't affect business, then it really didn't matter. But now you have a situation where politics and a big star wanting to call his own shots are potentially affecting business. Mm-hmm. So you know, we'll see what happens. Really, this yeah. is the last hurdle. He may have a smaller defense at um, what's the power struggle? I think it's called. Yeah, one of the. We never know every single year. This is every September, every October. You can chart it down. Is we we forget it exists. We're always yeah. like, ah, yeah. King of Pro Wrestling's over. We're going to the <laughs> right. like, and they're like, oh shit, there's a power struggle show. Yeah, I believe up, it's which, which, we, yeah. which we call mistake, which we call destruction half the time. Yes, yeah, because uh, we get those two mixed. This up. is like a five year thing um, where we forgot that power struggle exists. So. Right, but this year we finally remembered. But um, but yeah, I don't want to see this three way. It's a terrible main event. I mean, it sucks. Do I think? Do I think it'll be a good match? It may end up being a good match. It probably will be a good match. But I don't want to see it. I'm not interested in it. You know, it's not why I watch New Japan to see three ways, especially in a in a, in a high profile spot like that. You want to do it for the junior tag titles and an opener? I don't give a fuck. But you do it in a spot like this, it bothers me, and I'm not interested in it. But if the if if the uh, if the bookers felt this was the best way to get Omega and Abushi in the ring together to try to draw a house here, you know, I mean, what else are they supposed to do? I mean, you know, who else could they put him in there? Maybe hold off the Ishi match and hope that that fills the building. I suppose you could have tried that. That you know, as a possible alternative. But what else do you do? Yeah, really it, it, it's know. tough. It's 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 tricky and and. You know, part of me wants to say, hey, you know what? I'm fine with a wrestler kind of having some, you know, agency in it. But yeah, it also comes to a point where it's like, all right, what, what do you actually want now? Because it's like, you know, we've heard quite a few times where they've tried to mention this and and what's, you know, okay, then fine. Tell us when we can actually book this match or whatever, or, or just give us an idea. Like, because that'd be tough as a booker. Like, yeah, you're looking at the tickets and you're looking at, at, at the show. And like King of Pro Wrestling to me is, is if, if okay, if I'm. If I'm Gato and I'm asking them to run a goddamn Corkin or whatever with, with yeah, no, I'm not having Omega and Ibushi. And if I'm Omega and Ibushi, I'm like, no, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, no, we're not going to do, you know, the second night of, uh, or Destruction and Kobe. If that was been main evented by Omega and Ibushi, I'd say, yeah, no, 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 man. Like, let's, let's hold this off. But I don't know. Sumo Hall seems like a pretty big deal to me. You know, it's, it's and it works for the story. It kind of works as, as, as a title defense. So, you know, I, one part of me is like, I'm glad that they're keeping that special. And I'm glad that they're protective of the, the that, that match and that both those guys are protective of, or at least Kenny, at least. Is, is protective of himself and protective of 
title matches and big matches to, to his credit. But now this is quite a few times we've heard that this match has been tried and 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 kind of given you know a, a roadblock, and that's that that eventually is going to get annoying. <laughs> and eventually, Listen, you know, like you said, we I... didn't know that that happened with Ibushi and or uh, Tanahashi and Okada. We don't know that it didn't happen. But the idea that we never once heard a whisper of it leads me to believe it it, it probably didn't happen. So. This is some Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan bullshit, and I got to tell you, uh, my thing is do what your boss tells you to do. I mean, that's my stance on it. And number two is if you do fight and get your way, it better draw. That's the bottom line. If the three-way sells the building out, I, then I can't – and then what's the problem? Then I can't – you can't be mad at it. Right. And, and, and a flip like, side oh, – oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. You finished that. Yeah, off. at that point, you have to say, okay, all right, he was right. They they sold the building out anyway, and you still have the Omega Abushi match for the title in your back pocket. So it worked out, and there, there's no point arguing about it anymore. But if this draws seven thousand fans to a building that they've been selling out routinely for the last two years or whatever it is, when it should do ten thousand fans, then at that point, it's some Shawn Michaels bullshit. I mean, Hulk Hogan used to pull this shit, but he fucking why would you argue? He had some fun. He had right. real because you know you're going to argue with Hulk Hogan in 1987. I mean, you know, no, you just you just count your money, okay? If he wants to work with one man gang, then you let him work with one man gang. I mean, you just and then you just count your money. But you know, when Shawn Michaels is refusing to dropping titles, when you know he he's not much of a draw. Right, the company's borrowing money against itself or whatever. It's it's a little annoying. Yeah, that's what I mean. If 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 these guys are going to pull the star card, it has to draw. Yeah, you're dis- otherwise you're you're ripe for criticism. So again, the match has to draw. That's really what it comes down to. And if the match draws, you could say, okay, Kenny was right. Yeah, and, and another part too that they could do in Madison Square Garden instead and draw twice as many fans. Right, right. Uh, one thing as well that I was going to mention, it's kind of funny too. Also the like, Oh, we're going to do it at Madison square garden. The show that's already sold out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, that's kind of a whole Hogan bullshit thing too. Like, Oh, the Georgia dome sold out. Yeah. We should do me and Goldberg. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Hey, you know, excellent point. You're right. That's going to sell out anyway. Right. It's so, already you know, sold out. So, yeah. so, you know, miss me with that bullshit about, Hey, it's a bigger show. Like, no, we need you to draw, dude. We don't need you to main event a show that already sold out. Like, yeah. At that point, he's either just like you're saying, either, either at that point, he's just a fucking carny. That's a, a classic Hulk Hogan move, too. It oh, how's the Georgia Dome tickets going? Good. All right, yeah, me and Goldberg. How do we do that? I'll drop the title to him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Hogan so never want to drop a title to anybody in the world, but oh, we're selling out the Georgia Dome? Fuck yeah, I'll do the I'll do the job, baby. Do the job. That's no problem. Right. I mean, we've seen Hogan. So you're dead on. I didn't even think of that. So that either makes Omega a corny for wanting, <laughs> or or it makes him a mark for himself because he right, wants to yeah. have his match in front of. <laughs> 20,000 people and take all the credit for it. If, and, you know, if presumably that's the, the, the show that he's saying. Again, I just threw MSG out but... there. I could have thrown, yeah, yeah. you know, Tokyo Dome out there. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, absolutely. You know, and now, but, but yeah, so that, that's the way I view it personally. Yeah. And, and I think the other problem too is that, and, and we're starting to see this now a little bit more. And, and, and we're, there's been kind of rumors going on about it and whatnot. And, and the Harold May reign as, as president so far. We're only a few months in. And somebody asked us um, some questions about it. I think uh, it was yesterday, uh, last, uh, last week, I should say. Uh, on the podcast, somebody asks, "Hey, how would you rate, you know, Harold May's, you know, uh, work so far as president?" I'm like, "Ah, it's a little too early. It's hard to see and whatnot." But 
I, I think now we're starting to get to a point where maybe we can start judging it a little bit and looking at it and just looking at things that have been booked and way ways that guys have been used and, and, and stories that have been sort of pushed to the forefront and whatnot. And, and I think you have to also chalk this a little bit up to not, maybe not just Kenny and, and, and Coda and them wanting to protect their match or whatever, but maybe an idea that, Oh, Hey, uh, let's get Cody in there. Cause he's big in the Western audiences. We've heard every time they talk to Harold may every second that he can say, he talks about Western audiences and the, you know, expanding beyond, uh, Japan. I mean, fuck. They hired a Dutch dude who speaks English as their president. Like, that's obviously the reason why they did that is not to be get bigger in Japan. They did it to expand globally. And I do wonder if maybe this is a little bit again another example. And I don't know exactly if it is. I don't know the exact reason why this match is happening, but might be another little. Hey, the American fans really love Cody. Let's do that. So there'll be more people in New Japan world, more interest, you know, Western wide, more interest across the world, more YouTube clips, more all this sort of stuff. I have to imagine that has to play a little bit of a part in it because there's not been a triple threat match in in goddamn decades you know what i mean like it's been 2005 was the last one where you know the, the brock lesnar fujita and i forget what chono in there like yeah they did one in, in ring of honor one uh you know i think i think it was elgin styles and i forget the other one maybe okada but we'll, we'll ignore that one because i think that was a little bit was a ring of honor. yeah, it was, yeah it was ring of honor more than anything it wasn't iwgp heavyweight title match but essentially last one done in japan was was back in 2005 and then you got to go even farther i mean they just do not do triple threat matches especially for a title so something's different something changed something got you know rejiggered or something, something different there and and the inclusion of cody who we said is is a guy who is not presented as a top top tier guy is a guy that's presented as a mid card or upper mid card or whatnot so there's just weird stuff there i don't know if that's the herald saying hey we need to do this or whatever i have no idea i'm just saying you know it didn't happen for years and years and years and years and now it's happening and he's the president so i you know it's it's not uh because it's happened because he's the president but he's the president and it's happening so i think it, it is worth at least attributing or, or talking to a little bit well here's the thing I, I don't like if you're if you're angry at that, don't blame him. I'd blame the man who hired him because he was hired to do a job. If he was hired to expand New Japan worldwide, oh sure, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. He's doing his job. I mean, I'm not criticizing him. Then, then he has yeah. to. Then that's the job he has to do. If that's what, if he was hired and told, hey, look, we're hiring you because this is what you're good at, right? Which is what they are. Which is what he got hired for. Let's let's exactly. not, you know, yeah, that's it, what it is. Then. I can't get mad at him for trying to do his job. I don't have to be happy with the direction necessarily. I'm not saying people have to be happy with the direction and I'm letting it play out. I'm not slapping the panic button. Like a lot of people are. Let me see what happens and let me see where it goes and let me see what their strategies are. Right. We, because deserves, I think there's deserves time to, to, to get, find his footing. You know, it might, not everything's going to be uh great, you know, the first few months or whatever, but maybe he figures out what's good, figures out what's bad, dips his toes in some water and then, then figures it out once it's all done. And honestly, I think there's some merit in the idea that there's money to be made globally. I, I don't, I don't behoove them for attempting that either. Um, you know, I think it's bold, and I, I, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, but fortune favors the bold, right? I mean, yeah, you know, oh, for sure, yeah. No, aesthetically, you might not like it. You might be a hardcore New Japan fan that started watching New Japan because it was Japanese, and you wanted to right. get away from, you know, white dudes wrestling, or you, you wanted to get away from WWE and all that sort of stuff. Which I get, like, I'm, I'm one of them. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm that, but you know, you can't. Your business and what you want out of it is it can be two different or, things, right? Or sometimes two different things, right? Like um, I might not like it personally, but if it's making them more money and it is like as you said, advantageous business wise, and that's what he's you know hired to, to give do, it a go, yes. then yeah, I mean I can't you know maybe I just have to stop watching it. I'm not saying yeah I am or whatever, but I'm just saying yeah aesthetically, if it's not what you're fitting, I mean I, I get it, I get, but it they can be independent of each other. It can be a good business move that you hate. Yes. Ring of Honor. <laughs> we'll talk about it in a bit. Ring of Honor is a company that's doing good business, but I hate, but we'll get to it, you know. 
if the plan was just to continue growing in Japan, he, he could have just hired a Japanese guy who knows Japan, the land, the, the land of land in Japan. Yeah, or he could have just stayed there as it's, president. And uh, correct. But, and, but the other thing is there is something to be said for you can't let an international expansion, which is far from a sure thing, very far from a sure thing. You can't let an international expansion stall your progress in your home base or at worst reverse it. Sure. That's what you have to be careful of. And doing a three-way match like this, which may not draw the way you're accustomed to drawing at this event, at this show, which is usually a sellout. Okay. Could be something that stalls your progress in your home base. So that's what you have to be careful of. You, You know, it's, he has a tricky job, which is probably why he is making seven figures or more. Who knows what the hell they're paying him? It's a lot of money. He's got to do this job they've tasked him to do, which is grow the business internationally and grow the brand and make it a global brand. But he also has to maintain the same momentum they have going with six straight years of growth. And now, you know, they're netting more income than they ever have in their history and and even during the glory days and all those sorts of things, you have to, he has to keep that going too. Because it'd be disastrous to ruin that momentum that you have going because you're stretching yourself too thin or you're catering too much to the international audience. Right. But and I think what this, audience, yeah. Yeah. And this goes back to what you said. I, I don't, I think, you know, there may be this thing where they may not realize that you don't have to present something drastically different for the international audience. You are making gains on the international audience with your core product. I have no problem with featuring more um, English speaking talent and American talent or, or international talent as part of that plan, but you don't have to go, you don't have to swing the pendulum all the way in that direction and start presenting Western style shows because that's not what put you on this path to begin with. And I think you you may be right when you say they just need to present their product and maybe sprinkle in a little bit of Western flavor. And I think some people are scared that they may be going too far in the Western direction. I don't necessarily – I'm not necessarily ready to say that myself based on one three-way match that their hand may have been forced on by a diva champion. I mean, Omega admits as much. He says, this isn't the match the office wanted. I'm giving you something else. I mean, it's not even a secret <laughs> that that's what happened here. So, um, you know, it's, it's, this is a, the king of pro wrestling attendance number to me is the second most intriguing number in pro wrestling of the year behind all in, you know, all in was the most intriguing number in wrestling this year. And the king of pro wrestling number is number two and not that far behind. I am dying to see what the final number is for King of Pro Wrestling. All right, let's uh, get back to uh, Fun Spirits Unleashed. That's what we're talking about here. <laughs> we're going to review the show here. Um, overall, I thought it was a, a pretty good show uh, from top to bottom. I liked just about everything. It felt like guys were giving effort up and down the show. A uh, bunch of matches that really over-delivered. We'll talk about a few of them that, that I think just tremendously over-delivered. But yeah, by and large, I thought it was a, a pretty positive show. Uh, I gave it a thumbs up. Um, I really enjoyed a lot of it. And yeah, there might not have been a ton of consequences and stuff, but I thought everybody, as I said, put full effort in, all kind of busted their ass. And, and there was some stuff that um, 
really over delivered and the stuff that was going to be good ended up being good as well so uh yeah what were your overall thoughts with fighting spirit unleashed before we go kind of match by match yeah it was a really good show and um the 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 united states shows are always really good shows and a lot of times on paper people go ah this is fucking terrible and then they always turn out to be great shows and this was no exception this was um a a a really good show top to bottom with with um i thought three matches towards the top of the card that were that were excellent matches yeah, so let's get to the top of the card here, and then we'll work our way down. Yeah, the uh, main event, the Gold Lovers, uh, of course, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi defeating uh, Okada and Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, I love this. Maybe not Dave Meltzer loved it, who gave it five stars. I think it was uh, a little bit below that. I think I went four and a quarter, four and a half. I forget exactly where I was uh, with it, but I thought it was a tremendous main event. Did not have really a ton of stakes. It was just kind of like a showcase match. But that was fine with me because I think these guys busted their ass nonstop action throughout. Great counters, uh, just a lot of really great action in this. I thought this was way above my expectations, and I should I had pretty high expectations going in. But I thought you know, given it what it, I, the placement on the show or whatnot, it being this fighting spirit, at least these guys weren't going to go and give it as much effort as they did. But man, this was tremendous. I mean, this is not going to be one of the best tag matches this year because it's been a great year for tag team matches. But damn, this is a really really good match. Yeah, this this was a great match, but but. Dave Meltzer needs to pump the brakes. This was not even close to a five-star match. I, I He's lost the plot with somebody. This is not a five-star match. This was not even the best New Japan tag match this that week. I mean, or, you know, what was the date on the um, – maybe it was longer than a week. It wasn't the best New Japan tag match this month in September. I can tell you that. Because I thought the, the Golden Lovers versus Ishii and Osprey from Corkin was a better match than this. I mean, they're both right. great oh, matches. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I preferred that match. And I have to tell you, I, you know, I'm pretty high on the Grills of Destiny Young Bucks match. I don't think there's a huge separation. I think that was every bit as, I think that was every bit as good as the main event. Yeah, I sure. agree. I gave them both four and a quarter. So it's like, you know, I, come on now. This may not have been the – this might have been the third best New Japan tag that month. <laughs> Let alone a five-star match. Yeah, but, there was uh, nothing. I love this match, but and I hate that we're having to go like, ah, this – but there exactly. was nothing that made this – like a perfect wrestling match. You know what I mean? There was nothing. And I'm not one to, I don't care about Dave star ratings. Usually it doesn't matter, but it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, man, there was like years and years and years where like the scale felt like it was a little more real. It felt like you could, you could, I, I would always say, if you wanted to watch a fight, you were going to get something great. I never watched a five-star match and went, Whoa, I don't Let me see. Is this the weakest Meltzer five-star match that you've seen personally? Oh man. Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot and that's kind of the, that's, that's a question quick. you'd have to take a look at. Yeah, off the top of my head, I mean, this is one of the first ones that I've really given a big side eye to. I mean, we never talk. How often do we come on here and go, "Our oh, Dave's rating was so bad." Like we don't. We don't. Like, we, 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 I don't care. Like that's what we're we not that show. We don't come yeah. on here and go, "Oh, he gave that six and a quarter." I, we've we've just been like, "What?" Yeah, I don't care if that's what he thinks. That's what he thinks. But yeah, this, and, and, and um, normally those are, and those are all great matches anyway. So ah, you know like, what? No, no, no. You know the one he did it this year too. That uh, the Takeover New Orleans ladder match. Oh yeah, yeah that yeah. shit wasn't five star. That's not a, that's not a five star match. Yeah. No, that's not no, a we're close. Yeah. No, I don't even know if I gave it four. Honestly, no, which, I'd probably which, be a little yeah. Which may have been ridiculous on our part, but I'm just so sick of ladder matches that I just it didn't yeah, do no, no, that, much yeah. of anything for me. No. Um, you know, but I could see why people thought it was great. But I, I yeah, five. I don't. I'm but looking, I don't think he was unique in that. Think, oh, yeah, that one sticks out to me initially. I can't really, you know, other people gave that five though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I don't think anyone gave this tag match five except for Dave. 
Yeah, I'm looking. That's about it. I mean, that I'll be honest. Yeah, I'm looking at these five stars over the 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 course of history. I'd have to go back. This is just like recent history. I'll have to look at like you know you know ones from 1994 and all that sort of stuff. Maybe there was some like sheep herders match that I didn't really enjoy all that much, but I'm sure in 1987 it was really cool or whatever. But yeah, like uh, uh, no, I mean that's that's basically yeah. I think that all the others you can make an argument for. Sure, I'm looking at these others and and you know just really quickly glancing and yeah, I'm pretty much not gonna disagree with a lot of them at all so yeah this is it's just been recently where he's just kind of gotten a little happy we and the reason for that and again i don't want to do the dave Meltzer star rating show because you can go listen to that on every other fucking wrestling podcast but um the it, it, it's this weird thing where like people are like oh he's giving these stars first he's giving stars and stars, and he's doing it too much well what's happened is for a long time wrestling wasn't what he liked and when he found what he liked he gave it high ratings you know what i mean like if it was something that he really enjoyed all japan you know classic all japan stuff it was oh my god in this vast world of shit that i don't like here's this oasis this unbelievable oasis that's giving me exactly what i want whereas now because he's become a voice for an entire generation of wrestlers we said not this maybe new generation coming up but the generation before that and maybe even the one before that people are catering i mean kenny omega fucking caters his style knowing what you know what i mean like knowing that he's going to get good ratings for it so it's like of course he's going to give more things more ratings because now the style is more of what he likes like he likes this now more than he's liked anything ever before so that's why he's giving good ratings he's not an objective person you know he's doing his own ratings and his own ratings are probably higher than ever i mean you can probably say the same thing too you've given more you know five-star matches in the last three years and you probably gave your entire life or whatever just because it's a style that you like a little bit more but still with that said it the scale has gotten pretty wild here i mean if you look at just even the last two years i mean the stuff getting thrown out here there's a lot of five-star matches this year alone and it's not that this year hasn't been a great wrestling year it's just like the specialty of it is is getting a little lost and this one particularly being a a five-star match is tough because i would never ever tell anybody watch this because it's definitively one of the best wrestling matches of all time because it's just just this this may be the least impressive five stars he's ever given out was was this match here i think i i yeah i just don't because again that ladder match i can at least see why sure for the spectacle for the pure spectacle of it you might think it was but this was it's, it's weird because i like this match better than the ladder match but i think that the ladder match I can understand the five stars for that more than I can understand it for this. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I see what you mean. Where this one, like, I, I really struggle to figure out what was five star special about this. Not again, like, I hate yeah. <laughs> I love this match. This match was great. Well, because, because, like, yeah. well, that's the thing. Dave's argument at the time was that was the best ladder match he's ever seen. Okay, I can buy that. I can understand if you think that's the best ladder match you've ever seen. And as a cons- as a consequently, you think it's deserves- I I get that argument. I don't see the argument for this match. No. There was nothing like you're saying special about this match that would that would put it on that level. But I I don't know. I I went four and a quarter for the record. yeah. No, I, I still enjoyed it a lot. So good stuff. Um, move on to your Cody and Juice. I thought this was I, I saw some mixed stuff when I was reading online. You know, a little bit of spoilers. I thought this was a pretty decent match. I mean, it, of course, going into a Cody match, you know, you're not going to get you know <laughs> really top 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 to your work or whatever. But I thought otherwise. I mean, the the work, the heel face dynamic, I thought was really good with Cody, of course, and Brandy being uh, the the hated heels and Juice being kind of the the you know underdog baby face or whatnot. But I thought they worked it pretty well. I thought it had some good peaks and valleys and whatnot and, and overall i liked it the things that i had an issue with um the finish i didn't really love the finish i didn't like that you know cody just cheated a lot of the time and then just got like kind of a roll up that seemed a little cheap and in, in, in a sense to win the united states 
uh, title. And then two, I don't know what Cody is supposed to be. And I know he likes to say that he's a tweener and it's shades of gray or whatnot, but you know, he's crying in the middle of the ring at all in because he just won the NWA world's heavyweight title. And, and essentially this is the same Canon, but now he's like a hated dastardly heel and his wife's cheating and uh, to, to try to get him to win. It's like, you, you got to pick some lane, right? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to react to him. I don't know when he comes out, whether I'm supposed to boo or cheer him. And that's not really the best thing in the world. Well, he flat out says he doesn't believe in heels and baby faces. But he worked this um, match as a total heel, right? You know what I, I mean? Hear, like, I hear you. Basic structure and storytelling. That's, I'm not you know, defending it. No, no, no. I, 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 yeah. But, but it's like he says he doesn't believe in the. He just doesn't. Sometimes he'll get pissy on Twitter when people bring up the term heel or baby face. They don't, those don't exist. I don't believe in that. So you're right. He's trying to be this weird shade of gray, but not a shade of gray when you're very blatantly one thing one night and very blatantly the other thing the other night now it's just confusing kushida can sometimes do shade of gray Uh, tanahashi is a great example when you piss him off he becomes grumpy tanahashi and then he does it too yeah okada does it too i mean those to me are shades of gray someone who has got chaos the entire stable is ones that can kind of ebb and flow uh based on the match that's happening in front of them but cody comes out for this match and again like i'm just kind of you know pointing into this one and you know he's about to give his t-shirt to the crowd and the crowd's jumping up and down yeah cody yeah cody and then he gives his t-shirt to brand you know what i mean like that's just heel shit that's just basic that's as, as, as easy as you know sticking your hand out for a high five and then pulling it away i mean that's like bad guy you know 101 thing or whatever so it's not like as the match progressed he got pissed at juice and decided fuck it i'm gonna cheat and i'm gonna be kind of a you know a heel in this it was from the moment the match started he was kind of already playing up the heel before the match even started before the belly even ring he was doing heel tactics which flies in the face of what we saw you know three weeks ago when he's this triumphant baby face winning the title that his dad owned so it's like that's all i'm asking for some mild consistency let me know if you want to become a heel as the match goes on i think that's fine you can go in with okay i'm gonna respect juice whatever let's do this and then you, you juice has got your number and then you say ah, you know what i'm gonna use some heel tactics here and i'm gonna get the win via roll up i'm gonna get the win by using my wife to, to sort of help me or whatnot but to come in and immediately toss you know fake that you're gonna toss your t-shirt and start you know cheating from from the minute the bell rings i don't love that because it's like well now i'm in the crowd how do i how do you want me to react to you how am i supposed to react to you you know that that to me is you just gotta have to point it out a little bit like let us you gotta let us in a little bit and let us know how you want us to react to the story because you can't you can't like you said be one thing one night and one thing the other without any real reason or connection of why that's happening yeah i don't know it doesn't i i agree with what you're saying it doesn't bother me i don't think like it's bothering you um but i i it it, it, it is real though what you're saying is is a real thing i mean he's a pure baby face a lot of the time in ring of honor especially when he's teaming with the bucks like a pure ass baby face and there's other times he's a straight up heel and yeah you, you're right it's it's yeah, I, I don't know what he's trying to do, but I and but I and I also haven't decided whether it's working or not. Right, and I think in America he's probably past the point where he can be a heel anymore. You, you know, it, it's probably gone. You're right. Like, all it, in might have yeah. done it in. So, yeah, I mean, at worst he's a tweener, and you're right. It, it'd be hard for him to get booed. He just, it, it, you know, he's too popular. All right, I'll move on here to uh, what was it? Grills of Destiny and the Young Bucks. Yeah, of course, we want to talk about this one for the IWGP uh, Tag Team Championships. The Bucks lose. The Grills of Destiny win the titles again, I believe, their fourth uh, reign with the titles. Uh, on paper, you're going to say, ah, Grills of Destiny, Young Bucks. <laughs> if you did not watch this match or you skipped this, you were annoyed. This was far and away, I think, without question the best Girls of Destiny's match I've ever seen. This was really good. Really, really good. And not a Young Bucks carry job either. Tamatanga and, and Loa were right there neck and neck with them the entire match. They had a match with um, Makabe and Hanma that I thought was 
uh, a couple of years ago that I thought was really great and on this same level. And they've had some other matches that I thought were really good. And and honestly, I expected this to be great because the Bucks don't have bad matches. The the Young Bucks just do not have bad match. What was the last bad Young Bucks match you've seen? Like, really think about yeah, it. Yeah, like really truly bad. I think we made this point a few weeks ago, and I was like, or a few months ago, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like, I, I can't recall watching okay. a Bucks match so and being like, that sucked. One. Now let me ask you another question. When's the last? What's the last Young Bucks match you saw that wasn't like really good? Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been a while. I mean, the, the only ones I would say is ones where they're with like a bunch of other guys and they don't have any time to do anything or whatnot. Right, but yeah. just a straight up, no, even their multi-man matches are great, but I mean, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they're usually pretty good. But yeah, I, I, make, times... I make this point on the TV reviews all the time. When they work TV main events on ring of honor, it's always oh, great. a great TV. Main... They're the best TV wrestlers like in North America. And they never have a match that's less than like, Excellent. Very good. They're not always match of the year contenders, but they never have a match that's okay. They're always really good. Yeah, so I, expect- I mean, honestly, the last ones I'd have to think of are like some of those early, you know, the, the multi-man junior tag matches, which I just got annoyed of. Like, they weren't bad, but, you know, like the Red Dragon ones and the ones where every single month they were just trading the titles back. Like, I didn't love those matches. There were a few that I didn't really like. But Jesus Christ, that's like, what, 2015, 2014? 14, 15. <laughs> right. If those are, you're talking multi-team matches? You yeah, mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so you got to go back to like 2014. We're 15. You know, we're talking four, you know, four, almost five years now where they're just every match they have is very good or better. I totally expected this to be a, uh, a, a really good match. And it was. And, you know, you did the Matt Jackson thing. He's been selling that back all year. Uh, I'm way into that. Uh, you know, I think that's, um, you know, he's been doing great work with that. And they weave that into their matches. And those spots later in the match where he would need to do power moves or get guys up got awesome reactions from the crowd. So the back stuff is over and, and, and it works. And, um, you know, I fully expect the gorillas of destiny to win from, from the titles in this spot. So that from that aspect at this, but it really wasn't match as like for the bucks to lose. They just got beat and, uh, you know, Haku didn't interfere. No, they just got beat. And, you know, right there with the main event, I, I really did. I, I thought it was a, an excellent match. I thought Gorillas of Destiny, who can be spotty, especially Loa, um, were good here. And and I, did they win it with the ape shit? I think Tonga Loa scored I another fall. I think so. Because what I'm trying to remember, so shit. they were trying to do the Meltzer driver, and then Tonga came in with that awesome cutter, uh, the Springboard yeah. cutter. And then I think they then they did. Yeah, they, I think they did the ape shit, but I, I'm blanking on it right now. Because he won like he won every match for them in the G1 tour with the ape shit. And they mm-hmm. really wanted to put that move over, and um, and they've gotten it over, which is sort of the sit out reverse, the sit out tombstone is really what it is. So uh, yeah, I, I yeah I thought it was a very good match. Yeah, and as you said, definitive win, which I think was important and pretty cool. And yeah, I mean well, the other thing I liked about this match too, which was really unique, is that as it was going on, like you were getting Girls of Destiny's chance. Like people were chanting for Girls of Destiny. Like people were into that team, which I never would have thought would have happened. Uh, you know, especially against the Young Bucks in America. But they because they worked their ass off and because they did such a good job, they were getting a little bit of that groundswell. And I think this is the thing that when when people. You know, and, and and I guess there's not really any Tomatonga defenders out there except for Tomatonga himself. But like when we get so frustrated about this guy, especially during the G1, it's because we know he could be good. He has matches sometimes where you see it and you're like, holy shit, this guy's great. But then he just doesn't. You know, what I mean? he just doesn't. Well, he I've, I've had it a lot of times too. 
Yeah, but I don't. I see. I've given up on him as a singles. I don't think he's a good singles wrestler. And yeah, maybe it's just never going to work there for him. But like, but, but in, in a tag spot, I you know they've had really good tag match. They they got off to a horrible start as a team. Yeah, there was about a year span, uh, maybe about a little bit and, last year and then early two years ago, where where they were good for a long time, like a good little six month run or whatever. They got off to a rough start, and Tangaloa looked like he didn't belong because he didn't. And then they kind of turned the corner and they really haven't looked back. And I think a lot of the grills of destiny slander that you see is, is a lot on reputation more so than actual output. Because if you go back and look at their matches, most of the time in a big spot like this, they have, a, they have really good matches. Um, they're not out there having a match of the year contenders. Um, I don't think they're the, you know, uh, you know, one of the greatest tag teams of all time or anything like that, but there was a, there, you know, for a consistent stretch here, they, they, you can trust them to deliver in spots like this. And against the bucks, I didn't have any doubt. I, I didn't have any doubt. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the other things. We'll go kind of quick here with the other matches. Uh, Marty Scroll and Will Osprey. Marty wins again, so Scroll defeats Osprey. There was a, a little, little, <laughs> little jolt in that uh, feud, but Scroll's back on top. Uh, and this, of course, was for the uh, the semifinal match of the junior heavyweight uh, tournament. So now Scroll will go on to face uh, Kushida King for wrestling, which we're going to preview here in a moment. Uh, overall, what did you think of this match? I thought it was good, maybe not great. They've definitely had better matches together, but uh, I think this one was all right. And I thought what was really interesting about this is Scroll won pretty definitively, and and that might, I, you know, some people speculate this might be a precursor to something going on with Will Osprey. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. But what do you think of the match itself before we kind of, you know, discuss maybe what what's next for Osprey? I thought it was very good, lower level for their series, but. All they never have a match that isn't great, right? They have never had a match together that I've seen, and I've seen I think all of them that are on tape. They have some in some smaller British promotions um, from a few years ago that I don't know whether they're on tape or whether I've seen. I've seen all of their, you know, matches in any promotion of a decent size that is hit, t- and and they never have anything less than a, than an awesome match. And this was another awesome match, lower level by their standards, but still. And the thing is. Willow Spray gets the very best out of Marty Skrull. It's Marty Skrull's best opponent by a mile. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, Marty Skrull can be spotty against other wrestlers. Um, there's Marty Skrull has developed a habit of getting over on his charisma against a lot of other wrestlers. But when he gets in there with Willow Spray, Osprey drives him to be at his best. Mm-hmm. And it's just- no comedy bullshit either. And that was what I loved about this match. This was classic scroll here. This was not flat my wings and get the crowd. I mean, he was working his ass off and there was no bullshit, no shenanigans, no umbrellas, none of that shit. It was just work. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. like, he wanted yeah. nothing more than to beat this guy. And like, yeah, it's because of that feud, because of the history they have that he kind of plays those matches up that way. And like you said, yeah, I don't think there's a better opponent in the world for Marty Scroll uh, than Will Ospreay. And they seem to always find new exciting inventive ways in every one of the matches none of the matches feel the same you can watch one and then watch another and and it, you're nav- there'll be some spots that are are are, are, are you know reference back or, or, or you know played up on but yeah for the most part they always feel and kind of look a little bit different which is a testament to those guys real real testament to them yeah they, they, it's 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 an all-time series it you know it's right there with mysterio and psychosis and hiromu and dragon lee and 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 tanahashi and okada and flair and steamboat they're two guys who will forever be linked because of the great series of matches that they had against each other. So they will forever be linked for that reason. Mm -hmm. And different companies too. I think it's always an important part of it. Oh oh, yeah. And and a huge variety of companies more so than any of those other, um, you know, um, rivalries that I talked about. So uh, that is uh, an important thing to note on, on three different continents in like a half a dozen different companies. 
Uh, so this match I had no expectations for, and the match itself wasn't great. But man, I love this match. Might be my like the, the match I had the most fun watching this entire night. Uh, it was Jay White and Gato against the uh, Taguchi Japan team of uh, Tanahashi and Kushida. My God, the molten fucking heat for Jay White and Gato was off the charts. Like that was awesome to see. It was just like anything White did, he got fuck you White chance and fuck off White. And Gato came in and they just hated him. I just love this because you don't get this. You know what I mean? It's so heel heat is so gone in 2018. You just don't have it anymore. You can go to a show and and even if everybody boos somebody, there's like 15 people that are going to cheer for the guy. Everybody in this crowd just fucking hated Jay White, and I loved it. Then he cut a promo afterwards, and the crowd just eating him alive. I just fucking loved it. This felt so old school. It was so obvious who the heels and the faces were, and I just like that sometimes, man. This was awesome to watch. Even if the match itself was, was fine, it didn't matter because it was just awesome to see the molten heat that Jay White and Gato had the entire night. Yeah, Jay White gets genuine, honest-to-God, old-school heel heat in New Japan in, in both countries. In Japan and in the United States. And that is just so hard to do in this day and age. There's, there's less and less people who are able to do that. And he has accomplished that. And that is sort of the double-edged sword of all of the bullshit finishes that we've had to endure with him. But that's the shit that has gotten him over as a heel. So I can't begrudge the company for booking those finishes. I can't begrudge him for doing those finishes because his goal is to be hated and it has worked. So yeah, he, he gets genuine uh, heel heat, which is such a rare thing. Right. It's, it's not that negative heat where they're annoyed about him and they might be, there might be a little bit, it no, might be a little bit of that where they're like annoyed of him, but it's not the go away. Just get off our screen heat. It's the, you know, fuck this guy. We can't wait to see him get his ass kicked. And he's that's absolutely what it yeah, is. Which is great. It's, it's awesome to see. And like, again, I, I say this all the time, but like, and we knew that Jay White was going to be a star, you know, and we mentioned this, you could go back and listen to the audio for God's sakes. Five years ago, we said, oh boy, this guy's going to be a star. Yeah. I don't think I thought of him as a star like this. I thought he'd be a hot white baby face or whatever. And then he cuts yeah. that promo and he's just talking shit. And he's just, you know, looking at these crowd like, oh, who fucking, who are you a little? And like, oh my God, I just was like, I never expected out of Jay White. It's like, he's a natural, you know what I mean? He's just a natural yeah. heel. And it's like, man, I just never expected that out of him. I just never knew that he was capable of that. I, I thought he'd be a great wrestler. I thought he'd be a great I, you know, whatever it was, whether it be, you know, whether it was a healer or a baby face, I just thought wrestling was going to be what was going to be his calling card. I had no idea that this dude would be as good as he is as a heel. I don't know where he got it, but man, it, it's awesome. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, geez. Good stuff here. Uh, let's move on. Uh, a few other matches here. Uh, you had a six man Suzuki gun versus LIJ. Do I even need to talk about this anymore? I just gave up my review. I just said, I don't fucking care. It's Suzuki gun and LIJ. So, yeah, I mean, this is um, Zack Sabre. Um, you know, this set up the Zack Sabre evil match that we're getting great so cool. i expect saber to- <laughs> awesome. but you know but here's the thing i know you're sick of it but that's a non-title singles feud and i will take any of those i can get in this company i guess yeah so i i will be into that match saber's gonna beat him he'll move on and um you know he'll move up the ladder against uh lij guys i expect him to beat evil but i'll be into saber jr versus evil it doesn't yeah, sound like no. you that's fine. I mean, I, I'm into the match. I just never want to see any combination of six-man tag matches between these two units. And now, well, you know, if Twitter's any indication, some of the participants of this match are kind of over it too. But I don't know if you yeah. caught that interaction. But uh, no, what do you what do you mean here? Um, oh, I did, I did. Yeah, a certain yeah. man in this match, I, I it was it was not happy that I did not like this match, and I told him it's not you know anything that you did. It's just I don't like the booking, and he kind of says, "Hey, I agree," or whatever. So yeah essentially ah, the man has some issues with the office in general right now so yeah you can probably assume who that that is uh, that you know 
certain things that he'd like to do are uh, no longer allowed, and he's a little grumpy about it. So that's all right. Uh, Jeff Cobb, Chris Saban, and Flip Gordon uh, defeating the Chaos team of Rookie Goto, Beretta, and Chucky e. T. This is good. Really kind of a Jeff Cobb showcase more than anything. Oh, a good yeah. action between the two. But yeah, the, the idea here was Jeff Cobb's a monster and Jeff Cobb's awesome. So watch this. This is, yeah, an absolute let's get Jeff Cobb over. Did you see Hiroki Goto, his uh, press conference comments after the match? <laughs> I did not, no. He said that uh, he doesn't he doesn't know what the title is that Jeff Cobb has, but he's coming for it. <laughs> he's, of course, referring to the ROH TV title. He wants it. Which right. makes... Which makes Hiroki Goto the second New Japan wrestler to bury that title. Because if you remember, when Tomohiro Ishii beat Roderick Strong for the ROH TV title. <laughs> right, right, right. He said, I don't know what this thing is, but I will defend it. <laughs> and now you have Goto saying, I don't know what that title is that he has, but I want it. <laughs> so it's like, this bury, you know, New, New Japan wrestlers love burying the ROH TV title. So we yeah. will get a Cobb Goto at this uh, uh, convention in America. And presumably I would think uh, at some point they're going to have an ROH TV title match because uh, I don't think Goto would cut that promo otherwise. No, for sure. Certainly not. So uh, you got the addiction versus uh, hangman page and chase Owens. Uh, pretty good stuff again. You know, really, uh, I think a little, maybe mildly over delivered uh, uh, page was really good throughout this. And Daniels and Kazarian were, were great as well. And I mentioned in my review and I know uh, we've talked about this a little bit on the show. I completely missed the SCU getting over thing. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, I feel like I have my finger on the pulse a little bit. I thought these guys still, nobody gave a shit about them, but man, they, they show the match graphic and there's just SCU chance. And then they come out and they're like fucking mega stars. Like what? I just missed it. I just don't know what happened. It's like, I remember that many, many years ago, the Batista, when Batista became a superstar, I just missed it. Like I went to a, a, a house show once and everybody in the crowd was going nuts for Batista and we were Batista shirts. And I was like, really Batista? People like Batista now? I missed that one. I just completely missed the Batista thing and not on the same level, but the SCU thing, I just missed it. I just never knew it happened and it's happened and it's passed me by. I just, I, I, I don't know when it happened. When did it? When did SCU get so over? SCU is fucking over, and they're what? over. Every- <laughs> when did that happen? Nobody called me. I didn't get a. I didn't get one message that said, "Hey, by the way, SCU is over." It just. It just. All in was like they're a revelation. All- they came out and all the in. Whole crowd shitting SCU, and I'm like, "What are you talking about? It SCU sucks." And they're like, "No, everybody liked SCU." I was like, "All right, cool, whatever. Then that's fine." Ring of Honor, New Japan. That's the thing. They don't suck. They're really good. No, no, no. I mean, when I when I, I mean like in general, like I as like a fan, no, they're fine. But like as a fan, right, right. I'm like, oh, no, they suck or whatever. But like, I thought they were heels. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm so behind. You know, they come out. I'm like, oh, these guys are heels. Everyone's cheering for them. But yeah, I don't know what when that happened either. Yeah, they're super over. And and this was, again, this match was really hot because they were so over. Yeah. And and, and you know, Paige and Owens are, are a good team. And yeah, it was a it's a good little prelim match. I was into that. Yeah, I really enjoyed this a lot. Um. Juice Thunder Liger, uh, Taguchi ACH uh, versus the uh, Rapongi 3K team, Romero, Show, and Yo. Uh, again, similar to the Jeff Cobb match, this was the get ACH over match. I think he really stood head and shoulders above everybody uh, in this. Good action throughout, though. Really good opener. Exactly the type of guys you want in the opener. You got a hot, you know, crowd, you know, good action in Show and Yo. ACH, obviously, hot action. And then Juice Thunder Liger. So I think they, they play this up perfectly. I think it's the exact names that you would want in this opener. Uh, but yeah, this, I thought, by and large, was let's get ACH over and get, you know, ACH and Taguchi ready. Uh, for the junior tag league is is, is kind of the, the idea that I had in the match. What would you think of it? Yeah, exact same thoughts. Uh, and then the dark match, which you didn't see, Clark Connors defeats Elf Coughlin by referee stoppage. <laughs> what the hell happened in that match? I'm, I'm told it was incredible. <laughs> referee stoppage? Like, what? I wasn't told that. Nobody told me. Is Clark Connors like a, a shoot fighter? Like, how do you get a referee stoppage? In a... Uh, yeah, I, 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 submission? I don't know. Submission? Like, Coughlin passed out or whatever? Like... 
Yeah, not a usual New Japan finish. I have no idea. Oh boy! All I know is I have to write profiles for these guys in the book now because. Oh god damn it! You're right. Shit! (laughs) I forgot about. Oh no! Oh Jesus! Now we have to. Yeah. Well, have fun. (laughs) I gotta do it. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't have to do graphics for them. I forgot. Yeah, they're under five matches. Hopefully, so I won't have to do a graphic. Well, yeah. Who knows if they wrestle on these lions? uh, They might. Yeah, they might catch up and (laughs) get to five, and then it won't necessarily be you. It might be one of us. Gotta make a match. Gotta make a graphic for him. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, King of Pro Wrestling coming up uh, this weekend. Let's preview that. Um, Go to the top here. We got Suzuki Gun versus Justin Thunder Liger and Tiger Mask. This is of course for the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles. Not been defended in quite a while. Uh, Desperado and Kanemaru, you probably forgot, but they are still the champions. Liger and Tiger Mask, awesome match at Kobe. I cannot wait for this. I fucking love that match at Kobe, and I can, I hope that this one lives up to it. Yeah, balls. Yeah, they've had a, a great non-title match, and Tiger Mask it was like has six been, minutes or whatever. Fucking perfect. It was like a great, like an uh, amazing six eight minute match. So that was good. awesome. And Tiger Mask has been, has been scoring falls left and right for the last couple of months. And, and this is a great prelude to the junior tag league that's coming up too. And, you know, Suzuki gun, I, I, I assume is going to uh, uh, um, retain here and they've been titles for a long time and they've been much better champions. than I thought they would be, they retained the titles at one point when I didn't think they would, I think they'll win this one. And I think they'll go into that tournament as champions and then, uh, and then lose those titles to Rapongi 3K, who I think will win the tournament. I think that tournament is to showcase Rapongi 3K. I think they'll win that tournament and then uh, beat Suzuki Gun probably at the Suzuki Gun team, probably at the Dome. But who knows? They could do it at a uh, Power Struggle. Unless yeah, and the it, finals to the tournament are at Power Struggle. I don't know the answer to that. And and just to kind of give you an idea of how long it's been since there's been a team with like this kind of run that, that, that they've been on, and they, they've you know yeah. defended, they've had the titles now for uh, a little over 200 days, like 211 days, 213 days, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got to go back all the way to November 2013. The Young Bucks yeah. had a reign that long. But after that, then Time Splitters 140 days, Red Dragon 95, The Young Bucks 53, Rapongi Vice 28, Young Bucks 105, Red Dragon 141, Young Bucks 38, Seidel and Ricochet 59. Like, I, I, I'm not going to go over every single one, but 23, yeah. 47, 199, 61, 51, 45, Nothing 63, 57. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're in a month or two or basically one defense where these guys now are three defenses in 200 plus days. So this is why I talked about on the overrun last week. There is just so many false, tired, old narratives when it comes to the booking of new Japan tag teams, it's just old and it's tired and people instantly identify themselves as out of the loop and repeating narratives from four years ago when they talk about how poorly New Japan books their tag teams because these guys have been champions for over 200 days. Uh, the the uh, the Young Bucks were champions for uh, a comparable amount of time before just dropping them to the Grills of Destiny, who won them at the end of getting them. Uh, they're in the midst of a mega push, and this other thing that people have complained about for years, and it's been valid, but it's no longer valid. And if you keep up this argument, you're just digging your heels in on old, tired arguments that 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 are no longer true is that New Japan doesn't do the old super fight tag team matches with headline wrestlers that All Japan used to do and that New Japan used to do. This year, New Japan has headlined like a half a dozen shows with all-star tag team matches. We just saw one in California, the main event of this show, with, uh, with this past show with the Golden Lovers versus, versus Ishii and Okada. We just saw two Korokan shows in a row on a destruction tour headlined by big-time uh, main eventers in tag team matches where we saw the Golden Lovers versus Ishii and, 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 um, and, and Osprey, and we saw Tanahashi and Beretta versus um, 
I'm sorry, Tanahashi and Juice Robinson versus uh, Okada and Beretta. And then we saw the Golden Lovers versus the Bucks in California. And there's other examples too. It, it's it, it, Those things simply aren't true anymore. The tag teams have been booked much better in 2018 than they have been in previous years. Those are old arguments that are no longer valid. Just to give an idea. So the, the, the Suzuki Gun team, if you even if you want to say, well, they've had the titles for a while, but they're not doing any defenses. They don't ever defend the titles. Uh, they have three successful defenses. You have to go all the way back. Find the last time they had three successful defenses, all the way back to the Time Splitters team in in June of 2014. That reign, which is prior to the Young Bucks reign that I mentioned in 2013 as well. So you got to go back, yeah, a handful of years to find any team that defended them successfully three times, and then yeah, they, they there's a good chance they're going to you know successfully defend them four times, which is yeah, again you have to go back to that Bucks reign, and then even before that you got to go to Jesus Christ uh, Apollo 55, <laughs> Prince Devin and Taguchi uh, in January 2011 to find a team that defended them more than five times successfully. So yeah, it's uh. We're, and we're in- they've been and they've been fun champions. That's yeah, they've been yeah, good yeah. champions too. So it, it, it's not as if and like you're saying, it's not as if they're just sitting on the titles and not they're gonna have they're gonna have four successful defenses after this match against a variety of different teams too. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I, I don't I I think it's been a very solid year ever since Rapongi 3K came back at the end of last year. You can't complain about the booking of the junior tag division. Because Rapongi 3K have been given a rocket pack. Remember, they went on that undefeated streak. Then they won the titles. Uh, they traded the titles with the Bucks, which was a great feud. The feud with the Bucks was great. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the Suzuki Gun team, I think, uh, did they beat the Bucks for the titles or they beat Rapongi 3K? They beat Rapongi uh, 3K because Rapongi 3K they bought, beat. Yeah, because they, they won them again. Real quick. Yeah, Rapongi 3K ultimately won the feud with the Bucks and then Suzuki Gun beat Rapongi 3K. So, yeah, th- those titles have been booked. That division has been booked fine at worst since Rapongi 3K came back. I'd say it's been the most focused attention that division has gotten since, like you're saying, since, since Apollo 55. So that's just old, tired shit when people repeat that. Yeah. You know, say, and, and, and again, you know, the heavyweight stars being in big time main event tag team matches, they've done that like a half a dozen times this year. That's like every other, and we're in, the, we're in October. So like every other month this year, we've gotten, you know, one of these big time tag team, heavyweight tag team main events. So a lot of those old arguments are, have gone out the window this year. I think New Japan's done a tremendous job with the tag teams this year. Uh, just to let you know as well, uh, voiceofwrestling.com, we have a preview, a written preview as well of King of Pro Wrestling. So we got John, uh, Ryan, and Joel of the uh, Super Jcast uh, doing uh, the preview for that. So if you want to read the written review, uh, the preview, uh, it's up right now at voiceofwrestling.com. But let's get to the rest of the show. That, yeah, that's the opener. Yeah, I was supposed to be on that, and they bumped me out. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you took your damn sweet time. And yeah, I don't know how that happened. But yeah, you got oh, Come on, out, now so. I'm always first done. One time I'm not first done, and and, uh, and they bumped me out. Hit the bricks, yeah. I don't know. I had no part in that. To be fair, I had no part in in getting the bricks hit or whatever. But okay, that's the opener though. It's kind of uh, pretty fun. An opener of of circumstance. We don't get that very often. You know what I mean? Like a real like. All right, like let's strap in. The rest of this thing matters. But then there's some uh, random tag matches, so not all of it matters. But uh, Great Bash Heel, Togi Makabe and and Hanma, of course, versus uh, Juice Robinson and Toa Hanare uh, is our next match. Then we go to an eight man tag. Here you got the Bullet Club Elite. You got Matt Jackson. Nick Jackson, Hangman Page, and Chase Owens versus the Bullet Club OGs, Bad Luck Folly, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Taiji Chimori. So the return of Taiji Chimori. Uh, Bullet Club Elite versus Bullet Club OG. Uh, any interest of you? The match. fracturing Bullet Club? You're, you're interested course, in that or a ma- just yes, a match yes, of consequence? A- okay. No, it's a major feud in the company, and it's really uh, one of the few times they've been in the rings against each other. And uh, yeah, I, that should be a heated match and, uh, and, and probably a really good one, too, for their position on the card. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Again, this is third from the top, and that's a match of consequence. So that, that, that's pretty cool. I mean, you're getting a lot of that in this show. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii, Hiroki Goto, and Will Ospreay versus Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and uh, Zuka. So that's a little chaos versus Suzuki gun. So, hey, I'll take it. Now, the, the, now, what I see here is with Goto sort of being paired off with Jeff Cobb and Taichi being on the other side of this, the speculation with Will Ospreay losing in the tournament. Oh, we forgot now, to do he, that. Yes, no, we, we, we're supposed no, to do that when we talked about it. It's, a perfect, spot. it's a perfect spot to do it. With Will Ospreay getting knocked out, my first reaction when he lost to Skrull was, oh, he must not be booked for King of Pro Wrestling, right? Because that would be a good reason for him to lose. But he is booked for King of Pro Wrestling in this tag. So do you think, and this speculation that's going around, do you think that we're careening towards a Will Ospreay versus Taichi never open weight title match, which would serve two purposes? One, finally get a junior in the mix for that supposed open weight title. And two, Will Ospreay's been teasing feuds with Kota Bushi, and now he's in a match here with a bunch of heavyweights. The eventual rise to heavyweight for Will Ospreay, following the path of your Prince Devitts, Kota Bushis, and Kenny Omegas, and then becoming a heavyweight star. Do you think we're in the beginning portion of that? Do you see him facing Taichi for the Never Openweight title? And that's that's exactly it. Yeah, I do see so both things. I do see him facing Taichi for the Never Openweight title, which I think is a great idea, and that works twofold. It then moves Osprey up, and that seems like the right time to do it. The match because he lost so definitively to Scroll, it felt to me like okay, that's that's kind of it for Osprey in the, in the junior tech. Because what do you do now? Where, where does he go in the junior division? He doesn't have any real place there. It'd just be weird if he's just kind of still hanging around. So I think now is the perfect time to do it. And then you know, I knew that before. I, I I speculated that before I saw this King of Pro Wrestling card. Now I see this card. It's a little bit more obvious to me and and, and to everybody almost because of what Osprey is doing. That that there's there's at least something moving up. Maybe he doesn't go to straight you know a, a total heavyweight quote unquote. But at least being in the mix for the never open weight title and being a true open weight part of that, being the light heavyweight uh, going for that title, I think is, is is a pretty cool thing. So yeah, I don't know if he's like truly quote a heavyweight moving forward, but I think getting him out of the junior title mix is probably a good thing, and and, and getting him into different stuff because he deserves that, and 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 I think he's earned that, and I think he's a big enough star to do some really fun stuff up and down the card, and 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 I'm glad that that he's presumably for the time being graduating from from the junior division because I think that's that's good for everybody. It's good for New Japan as well. Yeah, he could absolutely be groomed into a heavyweight uh, top star. I don't sure. have any questions. Oh, yeah, we that. said that from day one. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the long-term game of him should never have been exclusively as a junior. I mean, you're really missing the boat if that's what you think that he is for yeah. you. He's, he's much more. Oh, yeah. He could be a heavyweight star. And 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 I think that the junior their, – their juniors are so loaded that they don't necessarily need him to be a junior. I mean, they're just loaded with, 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 with juniors there. So it's not like – you know, you've got Taiji Ishimori just fucking around with the never, you know, trios titles right now that you can get in the mix. And you've got Kushida and you've got Marty Skrull and Hiromu will be back and the list goes on and on. So you don't even necessarily need him there. So, um, yeah, I hope that's what this leads to. I really want to see Osprey pin Taiji here and then that takes us through the rest of fall and winter with an Osprey Taiji program. Uh, move on next match here. We got uh, Okada, Yano, Yo, and Sho versus the LAJ team of Naito, Sonata, Bushi. And to be announced, Sho, the big news, there's an X. Who yeah. is this X? Who do you think the X is, Joe? Okay, so there's a lot of options. So Rich... We have an article, by the way, on VoicesWrestling.com as well, if you want to check this out. Joel uh, did a uh, the Super Jigcast. But yeah, let's, uh, let's get to this. Got Here's your options. Now you tell me the likelihood that these options could be the X. Okay. Okay. So how am I? Um... You tell me, uh, let's do it this way. You want to place odds on them or do you want to do, um, 
Or you, you just you, we don't have to make a, a huge game of it. How about you just give me your gut feeling on whether you think each guy has a chance to be the X? Okay. Yeah, I'll say like high good, chance, low chance, no chance, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out. We'll, we'll make our own are. scale. We'll make our own scale here. Yeah. So one name I've seen speculated because there is storyline history uh, before he went off on excursion is the guy on the other side of the ring. Yo, what are the odds that yo? is the is the x in this match yeah see i want to say because there is a lot of i mean you can put the breadcrumbs together and say oh my god it's yo it, it should be yo i mean yo's, yo's definitely ready for it uh and it all makes sense that it's yo the problem though is like you said he's on the other side of the ring i think rapungi 3k is still kind of in its infancy i think there's a lot more they can do with that and i don't know that he's quite ready to break away from that or break away into his own thing so i'm gonna say i'm not gonna say there's no chance but i'm gonna say low chance just because i don't think we're ready for that quite yet for him. I, I think maybe a long-term game that way, but I, I would be really disappointed if he did it right away because I think there's just so much more Rapungi 3K can do and so much more that he can do maybe breaking off from Rapungi 3K. I think it would be a bad idea just to go to another unit and, and, and join LIJ. So I'm not going to say no chance because there's so much storyline history, but I'm going to say low chance. Yeah, I'm going to say there's no chance because he's already in the fucking match. So you can write off Yo because I what are they going to do? Have a handicap match? Yeah, he he's just walks like, over to the other side. Yeah, he's like a, yeah, a football so, player that gets traded and just goes to the other clubhouse. Like, yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah. So there's storyline history, but I, I don't see it as... It know, would have to be some bullshit thing where like LIJ works one man down and then Yo like turns on Rocky and then yeah. like, oh, he is the man. Like, you know what I mean? Like something like that. Which know? I guess isn't impossible, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, so. it, it, it's that's why I'm just going low just because it might and there's at least storyline reference to it, but I I, I I would he's not one of my top guys for sure. How about a man who was already an X this week in another company? What are the odds that Pac is the X? Here? Uh, you know, it, we got strange times here in this whole wrestling game. I I'm not going to say no chance. I, I'm going to go maybe even a little bit above low chance. I'm going to go mild chance. I mean, there's, I, you know, the world is his oyster. And if fuck, if Drangate needs him and if New Japan wants him, it might be a deal where, where he, you know, he, he kind of especially given where Dragon Gate's at, we're going to talk more about Pac a, a little bit later, but you know, he's coming in from a point of power from himself and Dragon Gate is at one of their lowest points. So it's possible that he has a leverage to say, Hey, I'm going to come in for you guys and do full time, but Hey, I might also do this thing as well. I'm going to do this thing in new Japan. I, it seems weird and it seems unique and it seems different, but man, it's 2018, like stranger things have happened. So I'm not going to say high chance. I'm going to go somewhere between low and medium chance. I don't love it. I wouldn't bet the house on it, but I wouldn't be stunned or floored if it happened. Not impossible. I don't think the timing's right. I think he's going to plant his flag in Dragon Gate for a little while. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately so for a lot of people who don't want to see it. I think he's eventually destined for New Japan. I, I, you know, we went through his five-step plan a couple weeks ago. I thought that he would land in Dragon Gate first. That's exactly how it played out. We'll talk about that later, though. But um, I, I don't think I don't think the time is right. I don't think, uh, I, I think he'll be in New Japan down the line. I don't think it's going to be right now. Um, how about Yoshida, who we've seen on a bunch of New Japan shows lately from the from K Dojo, is it possible that Naito is taking this young man under his wing to join LIJ? I do. I think that's a strong possibility. I don't see him on the show, which is pretty interesting because he's been on a bunch of other he's been shows. On every show, and he's not yeah. booked here. He's not. You're not seeing him. The opener, as we said, is 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 a pretty ma a match of importance, and he's not involved in it. He had always been kind of towing that line of a young lion and and a, and a real time roster member. So. He's ready for the taking there. It, I don't know, man. It's, 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 I would put high, like, high, like, you know, I, I think people are going to be disappointed if it's him because they're hoping for the big, splashy guy or whatever. But now I think there's a high probability that it's him. I mean, he is not on the show and he's been booked for a ton of other ones. There's really no path for him anyway. As we said, he's not really moving up the young lion ladder. So this might be the perfect opportunity to get him a little kick in the ass or a boost or whatnot. So I think there's a high probability Yoshida is the guy. 
How about I don't think it's Yoshida because I think the way that they've presented it, it has to be a big time name that people are. Gonna it would it would suck if it was him. You know what I mean? Like I I I think there's a possibility it's him, but there's gonna be a lot of really disappointed people if it's him because it's been a big time well, announcement. Yeah. And like yeah, if it's just like it's Yoshida, it's like they did this uh, big video and everything. I don't think he'll get a big pop from the crowd. No, 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 no. That's that's the only reason. Like I think they there's a probability that it's him, a pretty high probability that it's him. I just think that would suck. So I kind of hope it's not if 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 that's the case. And and I think you're probably right too that the way they've been building up it, it it probably is not him but we'll see here's a name i've seen and I, I really don't get this one but how about dragon lee do you think dragon lee could be the guy it's an interesting one i think he's still trapped on his island uh, filming his reality show but i know it does, doesn't stop most people you know sometimes jericho or fuck they just show up on a video board or whatever maybe they do it handicap and he shows up on a video board or whatnot i i, I who the hell knows uh yeah, I like it a little bit, but I don't know. I don't. I'm not in love with it. I think people are, are are making the connection because it's a guy from Mexico, and that's Lij is supposed to be kind of guys rooted in some way, shape, or form in Mexico, uh, whether they did excursions there or whatnot. But uh, I don't know. I maybe I just don't like the fit. I just don't think it quite works. And I don't know that Dragon Lee is ready to come in all the time and be a full time dude. Um, and then there's also the weirdness too with with, with Hiromu and Dragon Lee on the same unit. So. Um, Nah, I don't love it. I'd say not a no possibility. I'd put low possibility on it, though. There's no chance. He's Hiromu's rival, and it just doesn't make any fucking sense. I really don't know where that one's coming from. And I just, I... I, I think people are trying it. to come with a guy in Mexico or a guy that has Mexico connections and, and, and could, you know... Yeah, I, I just, I don't love it. And and the other thing, well, too, is I think people are, are doing... Because he's the he's the ex, and they have next to Bushi or whatnot. So the assumption is that he's going to be a junior guy. That's going to team yes. Bushi. So people have this, okay, who's the guy that's from Mexico, is a junior that has connections to New Japan? That's essentially the way people are doing it. And I think right. maybe the connection to Mexico is something that maybe you're listening too much to. Why, maybe fuck, not enough. why would why would Hiromu want this guy in his unit? For right, he's like, he's a fucking asshole. I don't like him from the beginning. And then he broke my fucking neck. And he broke right? my neck. It's like, it, it's storyline that makes no sense. Yeah, for no, Dragon I don't League. love it. So along those lines, could it be this man who every time Naito does this, they speculate that it's this man. Could it be everyone's favorite meme wrestler, Roosh? Uh, it could definitely be Roosh, I think. Uh, I'm already falling asleep at the idea of World Tag League matches with, with Roosh and Naito, but um, I suppose it could it could probably be him. I, I, I would hope that the guy they announce is like a full-time roster member that's going to be there all the time, so that's the only reason why, why a little uh, Roosh wouldn't uh, quite work for me, but uh, I don't know. I'm going to go low chance on that, though. I think he's kind of doing his own thing and doesn't necessarily need this right now. Might come in for a few tours, and he doesn't need to be the big announced guy. You know what I mean? He's already LIJ. He's already been there doing the world tag league. He's already been there as an LIJ guy before, so he can just come in whenever they need him. I don't think they necessarily have to make him a big reveal type guy. And again, like, I don't know that that's a pop that's really going to blow the doors off the, the the roof if, you know, hey, it's Roosh. It's like, oh, yeah, we already know he's an LIJ. <laughs> like, we've seen him before. So I, I don't, well, that, yeah. That's it. that's it right there. It's not him. He's already in the group. He's already been in the group. He's already like, done he's matches for New Japan in the group. Like, it doesn't work. He, there. Here's he our new the... debut, Roosh. It's like, Hold oh. A second. Yeah. <laughs> he, can't be, he can't be brought into the group that he brought Naito into. He, he, he <laughs> right. doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. He's already in the group, so no, it's 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 not it's not uh, Rush. How about Kawato returning mm. as a member? Uh, seems a little early for him, but you know, got the connection to Japan. He's a junior. a junior. Moving up the young lion ranks. You know, if there's time for to bring him back or whatnot. Uh, Naito had mentioned it's someone he's had his eye on for a long mm-hmm. time, which mm-hmm. would fit the script as a junior as I a think, uh, young lion. I think Kawato has a very high chance of being the guy. Very you know chance. what? I'd be apt to agree with you, but he's booked the night before. In no, 
So we, I, I think it's safe to say he's not well, hopping Jericho, on a plane. Right, you can get on the plane with Jericho. When Jericho's moving over to do a quick run-in or whatever, you can get on that plane. It's you fine. know what? It's not impossible. <laughs> it's probably tough. Yeah, only Jericho it's has a It's not possible for it. him to get there. But here's the thing. It's like if they were planning on bringing him back for this, wouldn't he be off like already? Right, that would have already worked out his – I mean it was He'd obvious when Japan guys – yeah, Exactly. Yeah, he, when, you knew when, when Takahashi was on his way back. Yeah, because um, he stopped yeah, being I should say. Yeah, you, you knew when he was on his way back. At, at, you know, it was obvious in the booking that he was. This would be like a weird thing where, yeah, he's not clearly booked in CMML to be on his way out. So, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's tough. I'm still going to go high probability, though, because I still think he is a great name, uh, a great one of the, in the mix. So I'm going high probability, but not maybe my number one guy. Doing terrible on his excursion, by the way. Mexico. That's what I've heard. Can't... I have not seen it, but I've heard he's done pretty terrible. So. I've seen a couple matches. He had an uh, okay match with Ricky Marvin that I saw, but all of the CMLL stuff that I've seen, like he's having trouble with catches. He's not catching people, hmm. which is a pretty basic thing. And he's just not getting over and he's not doing well. And another guy not doing well is the great Okar. Oh, who that's is an understatement. That's bombing understatement. tremendously in RevPro to the oh, fact that, and he can't get over. So they've paired him up with Lord Gideon Gray. <laughs> Now listen, I think that's a good idea because no, it's at, cool, least, but yeah. at least that guy gets some heat, you know, as as a as a as a sleazy heel manager type. I think it's not a bad pairing, but the, the excursion guys are not doing well in their uh, excursion promotions right now. And finally, last but not least, the obvious choice that a lot of people are speculating on: could it be Shingo who finishes up with Dragon who finishes up with Dragon Gate like two nights before the show? Yeah, I think he's the strongest possibility for sure. And and he's like, of course, kind of the chalk pick, and it feels kind of boring picking him. Yes. But, I mean, man, if you're going to make a splash, if you're going to make a video about it, it's going to be a big deal. He's your guy. And the other thing, too, that I think people forget is the initial thing I hear people screaming right now when we say Shingo and we admit, you just said it was going to be a junior. There is nothing stopping Shingo from being a junior in that company. Look oh, at no. weights, Why look would at heights. Absolutely. Look at weights and look at heights. Yes, Shingo is a giant monster in Dragon Gate. Look at the weights and look at the heights. There is nothing stopping Shingo from being a, a, a junior heavyweight. And also, it's arbitrary a lot of times, too. Some oh, guys are, you know, the sex saver junior is no heavier than some of the juniors. But well, that's, not even your best that, like, that's not even your best example. Taguchi. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Taguchi's like, the, you know, he's like. He's huge. He's, <laughs> he's like a non-roided up Tanahashi. I mean, you know, he, he's tall. He's big. Right. but It's arbitrary. Um, they can call anybody they want a junior. And it's not like. Again, Shingo might seem like, oh my god, no way, it's Shingo. But but yeah, look at heights and look at weights. It could be Shingo. Shingo could be a junior for sure. I listen. Shingo can absolutely. Be. The guy is one of. He's arguably the best power junior in the history of. He's a power junior. I mean, that's what he is. So I I, I don't right, see people that think of the, people see the power and assume that that's all he is. You know, they they assume oh well he he throws like awesome clotheslines and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, he does. But like yeah, he's not a. He's not a heavyweight. Yeah, but, he, but he's tossing around Dragon Kid. Who's exactly. That's what I mean. He's 5'10", 212 pounds. Joe, I'm 5'10". I'm 210 pounds. I'm Shingo. I'm not big. Yeah. If I went yeah. to New Japan, I would be a junior. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a big person. I'm not a giant, you know. So he's my height and my weight. I, yeah, I mean, I guess, the, I, am, I guess the argument <laughs> would be, well, Tanahashi's 5'9". But like you said, it's arbitrary. You know, it's, it's, ar- arbitrary. Again, it's how they want to use it. So if they want to come yeah. in and Shingo's a fucking junior, then he's going to be a junior. You and know I, I, mean? have, and I, have, I have serious doubts he's 5'10". That's the other oh, you mean you think he's a little shorter than that? Even oh my god, yeah, I don't think Shingo. I've five never stood. I've never stood next to him, so I can't. Uh, I can't. I've seen game. him on ROH shows. He did. I mean, you know, he's about the see. size of your Roderick Strong's and your people like that. He's probably like five eight, five nine. He's not five. I don't. I don't buy for a second. He's five ten. Especially when you see him in Dragon Gate next to those guys. Those guys are all like five six, five seven. Yeah, I think that's the problem. Is people see him in Dragon Gate, and they're like, oh my god, but it's like, yeah, he's tossing around. <laughs> yeah, he's a Dragon Kid who's a, a child. 
there's children. Dragon Gate is children. They're, they're, you know, they're little babies. They're not, you know. So yeah, that that's um I think Shingo's your most likely pick. For sure. I think it is Shingo. I know people don't want to hear that because it's the chalk pick. I get that. But who was the chalk pick for Time Bomb? Takashi. Who was the chalk pick for Switchblade? Jay White. Sam McAllen. Well, I, you know what? You know he what? Was, Sammy Callen was a big deal. Yeah, he was. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. A lot of people thought it was. You're, no, you're not wrong about that one. Because okay, it made but, no sense but, that Jay, you know, little hot young baby face Australian Jay White would be carrying around a, you know, a, a, a blade and doing these goth promos. But as we've seen, it was so. I but, could listen. I could be way off, but I think at the end, I think it was more. No one wanted it to be Hiromu hmm. or Jay White because they were the obvious picks. So we always try to convince ourselves it's someone else shingo is the chalk pick and i think it's the one that honestly makes the most sense he's a junior um he does fit the aesthetic the but this is interesting i think he fits the aesthetic you know he's you know you slap some eyeliner on that guy and he fits the lij aesthetic The, the problem isn't aesthetically the problem is shingo is a high school bully he is a Shoulder block you into the lockers and then point and laugh at you, bully. That's not what Lij is. Shingo is not tranquil at all. He's the opposite of fucking calm and patient. He's a guy who will bully you and 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 be an asshole about it and talk shit. And that's not the Naito way. So he doesn't really fit Lij from a personality perspective. He does from uh, aesthetically, I believe. But do you think they'd bring in a guy the caliber? the star level and the caliber of Shingo and then ask him to do something different personality wise to fit the role that they're giving him. Yeah. I don't think it's totally unrealistic. I mean, I think if he, it, it, I, I think the, the process probably went where either they sent feelers or someone sent feelers. And I think I, you know, again, we're speculating if he's the guy or whatever, but I think we're seeing the Ishimori thing. The, I want to spread my wings and go freelance and then, you know, let me off my contract. Da, 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 da. And then two days later, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm just going to bed. Sorry. But like, you know, the, the nice way to do it is kind of that way. And I think whatever happened is he probably sent out feelers and they said, Hey, we're interested in you. Hey, what about this? And I think Shingo realizes, Hey, it's a big opportunity. So do whatever. I don't care. And maybe they don't really necessarily care what he did in Dragon Gate and think he's a good fit for LIJ and think that they could do some good stuff with him and think that he has the look that could translate pretty well, even though aesthetically what we know of, of Shingo and what he has been is not what LIJ is. It might be an idea where you can you can just do it. You know what I mean? Like you just he just fits the role because you put a bunch of makeup on him, you spike his hair up and and he wears black shirts and he's just in there now. You know what I mean? Like it, it kind of sucks and it's cheap because it throws away a lot what he's done in Dragon Gate. But it I don't know. I mean, if if, if that's the role that they see him, they're, they're well in the rights to do that. They don't have to worry what Dragon Gate did with him. No, I understand I have to worry about that, but is it a good fit for him? Can he play that sort of role? Um, I think so. I think he's a good enough wrestler that he he's can. A, he's a shit-talking heel. He's not <laughs> a... He's nothing like Sonata and Evil and Naito, where you understand he's a different yeah, well, kind and, of personality. And there's a possibility that they maybe want a new aesthetic a little bit with Lij. Maybe maybe he is kind of the talking piece of it. Maybe he is a little bit more of the aggressive type in there, where you have yeah. the cold skull and the and the silent evil and you know the Naito. Maybe maybe he comes in there and is uh, more of a bully and more a little upfront. Because no, I agree. If he comes in there and he just he's sulking in the in the corner like Sonata, that's a waste of Shingo. There's a no point having Shingo. He's good at. Yeah, he, exactly. He's He's good at being hateable and cutting uh, heel promos and being a fucking prick. Right. And I would hope that they don't do that with him. That that would disappoint me if he sits in the corner with his arms crossed or whatever. I think that's a way big way. And you can do that with anybody. So I'm hoping that when they come in there that he 
maybe brings a little bit of what he can he can do to the table. Maybe he is a little bit more vocal. Maybe he's the voice of Lij in some ways, where the shit talker of Lij. Because maybe they do need a little bit of a transformation, or not not necessarily a transformation, but a little bit of an upgrade in that sense, or, or someone with a different personality. Exactly. Yeah. Because I don't think you need another guy that just sulks in the corner. Like that might you know it might be good to have a guy who's got a little bit more personality to him. Yeah. So um, yeah, and I mean, look, the other thing is, I, you know, if it does turn out to be him. I know people will say that maybe he screwed Dragon Gate or pulled the wool over everyone's eyes, never intended to go for it. The thing about it is the timing works out just too perfect, that he's finishing up with Dragon Gate a couple days before this show. If it does turn out to be Shingo, I think that this has been in place for months. Mm -hmm. I think that Dragon Gate will have known about it for months. I think that Shingo probably put in notice you know, four months ago, six months ago, whenever it was when he decided that he was going to make this move to New Japan. And the whole idea of him announcing and dragging it in as he's going freelance is just that, that that's an intentional red herring because he's coming in as a surprise. You know, I don't think it wouldn't read to me as something nefarious where he where he hustled Dragon Gate, you know, like we joked about with Ishimori. I don't think that's the case here. I think if it does turn out to be him, it's very clear that this has probably been in place for many months. And because the timing of him finishing up with Dragon Gate, he probably put in his notice and, dra- and, he, and he gave his start date for New Japan and Dragon Gate said, OK, can you work until the second? And he said yes. And, and that's, you know, and that's probably how, you know, the business went down with that. I yeah. don't think that he's, you know, trying to hustle his way out of Dragon Gate to then backdoor his way into New Japan. I, I tend I to think it's the same thing. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm, I, and I, I would hope that they don't th- feel that way either. I think it, it, it is probably, and there's been so much turmoil in that company, there's a possibility so they probably. I mean, Kazawa's yeah. gone. Shima's gone. A half a, dozen, a half a dozen other guys are gone. The ones that went with Shima and otherwise. I mean, it's a crazy turbulent time in that company. And I can totally see him saying, hey, look, I, you know, I, I want out too. I want to do something new. I want to spread my wings. They've been letting him freelance more anyway when it comes to PWG and all Japan right. and let's, things like you know, that. Yeah, let, let's talk about that, that right there. I mean, he's already, he was doing all Japan stuff. He was doing big Japan yeah. stuff. He was all over the place already. It's not like all of a sudden he came from, you know, the most devoted Dragon guy in the world to all of a sudden one day, hey, I'm going freelance like you know we saw this. did he I mean, do big japan this, when did, uh, did he do big i don't know oh, I, yeah, I don't know if he did big japan now that i've mentioned he did i think you're you might be confusing some of his opponents in all japan because they were a bit like suji ishikawa that, you're like, right that might be he, he, he worked all japan he worked pwg is yeah so so yeah he's been he's been they've been allowing him to do freelance stuff in the interim because he, you know there's a good chance that if it does turn out to be him he probably gave his notice months ago um so um you know and then, now look if it does turn out to be him, it's 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 very exciting. I mean, you know, stick him in that junior division. Everything is fresh. He's been in Dragon Gate so long. It's like when he worked car- the Champion Carnival in All Japan. All those matches were fresh. Everything he does in New Japan will be super fresh and, and be exciting to see, especially with the juniors. So, um, you know, we'll see. I think he's got to be the odds-on favorite at this point. Like a lot of people, I, I would prefer if it's someone else just because I'd rather be, like, super surprised. But if it's Shingo, I'm not going to be disappointed. Uh, before people get very upset uh, and scream at their uh, computers or phones or whatever, uh, I mix it up because he was in the uh, the strong uh, tag league or whatever last year for the Big Japan. Remember that? He was uh, oh, Okabayashi. Yeah. That's where I was mixing up. I thought I thought that was this year. That was last year. No, well, th- no, I apologize then because I completely forgot that he was in Big Japan for that. So you, you were right. And I was whatever right. time. I'm re- yeah, it was right around this time last year. Yeah, he was in those great matches, by the way. He fits. So there you go. It really there. started back then when, you know, Big Japan, All Japan, PWG. Because so. I was going back and looking at other stuff that he had done, and, and and like he had done like one match for All Japan in 2014 and one match for Zero One and one You're match. In, in one, 
Yeah, yeah and like we're talking like 2014, he's doing one match. I mean, Big Japan was the first time he did eight matches for Big Japan last year. Um, and then, yeah, the All Japan thing, of course, does eight matches for them. Uh, and of course, PWG, like, yeah, it does five there. So, yeah, it obviously was the first time you really saw him spread his wings a little bit more outside of Dragon Gate or Dragon Gate affiliated stuff, you know, not Ring of Honor, not Dragon Gate USA, anything like that. So, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty interesting there. But, uh, yeah, so that's our speculation of X. Uh, other matches on this show, you got Evil and Zack Sabre Jr., just a straight up singles match. Uh, but yeah, that should be a pretty fun one uh, to see there. As you said, Zack Sabre probably moves on uh, after defeating Evil and moves on to moves up the ladder, as you said, the LIJ. Uh, you got Kushida and Marty Scroll for the uh, vacant junior heavyweight championship. Any uh, any guesses or, or predictions of where they go with that one? I feel like that's pretty much a toss-up, kind of a pick 'em. I don't know that I have any strong thoughts that X is going to beat Y or whatever, or, or any reason that one guy would, would, would be more likely to win than the other. No result would surprise me. Kushida seems like their security blanket in these situations, though. Where they have to have True. like an emergency yeah. champion here. So, um, and then we have Tanahashi and Jay White. This is for the uh, Tokyo Dome Challenge rights. The of course the Wrestle Kingdom main event challenge rights. Tanahashi's got the briefcase. Jay White wants the briefcase. I think there's you know no question now that Tanahashi is going to move on or whatnot. But this will be a fun match regardless. And I think there's going to be a lot of heat on White. And and I'm interested to see how these guys follow up uh, what we saw at Wrestle Kingdom. I think this match will be way better than that one, even though that one wasn't that bad. It felt bad in the moment. It felt really disastrous in the moment. But if you go back and watch, it's not as bad as you remember. Uh, but this one, I think, will deliver and deliver pretty well. Tanahashi's feeling himself these days. He's feeling good again. Uh, Jay White is 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 emerging as, as a great heel and kind of starting to figure out his character a little bit. So I'm really excited for this match. Probably my um, uh, easily my most anticipated match on this entire show because I cannot wait to see what these guys do. And I think this will be great, even though the results to me is not that much in doubt. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think it'll have uh, a lot of heat. And I think that they will manage to find a way to make it dramatic. I think there will be drama in this match, which is saying a lot when I think it's almost a 100% certainty that Tanahashi retains the case. But with the amount of heat that White has and with Gato in his corner, and as good as Tanahashi is as a performer, this match will have drama. And then the main event we talked about a little bit here, Kenny Omega versus Cody versus Kota Bushi for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship three way match. Last not time they've done that, not 2005. Not for you, me, not for you, not for many of the hardcore fans. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, they've already been hinting at, I think, Tamatonga sent out a tweet about, you know, letting people know where he stands. And so it's probably going to be a bunch of bullshit. So I'm pretty much not interested in this at all. Hopefully it'll be good. I really do. But I don't know. I'm... Uh, yeah, I'm 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 pretty cautiously uh, pessimistic on this. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I we'll see. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it at all. I you know I I think it'll probably be a good match, but it's not a match I want to see, and um, it's going to be hard for me to get excited about it when it's in the ring because I just I we've talked enough about it. I just don't want to see it. Yeah. So. Absolutely. So you want to do you want to do Super Show or you want to do Death Before Dishonor? Ah, we could bury Super Show to the end. I don't. We got we got some other stuff to talk about. Who cares a shit about the Super Show? I think we, to be fair, I think we kind of previewed the Super Show a few weeks ago. So we don't. Yeah, let's, let's go with Ring of Honor first. Let's All see. right. So we had Death Before Dishonor in Las Las Vegas. This was uh, Friday, I guess. The day but was it the day before Fighting Spirit Unleashed or two days before? Yeah, two days before Fighting Spirit yeah. Unleashed was Sunday night, and this was Friday night. So yeah, yeah, uh, day before. Yeah, two days so, before, I should say. You know, another show that I can't call a business success, they ran Orleans Arena and drew 1,600 fans. You um, know, I forgot that they were running Orleans Arena because I was watching it. And I'm like, this doesn't look like Samstown at all. <laughs> like, I didn't, I missed the opener, I guess, the opening sting where they mentioned because they always went to Samstown. And I was like, damn, Samstown's really dark this time. Like, why did they light it this way? This seems really silly to do that. Uh, and then, yeah, I was reading later. I'm like, oh shit, that was the Orleans Arena. That makes a lot of sense. So you were at that arena 
Um, and obviously, what was the attendance for the, the, the Mania weekend at the Orleans Arena? That was pretty high, right? What was that, 4 or no, 5? No, 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 you're confused. Uh, no, no, no. This is Las Vegas. You're oh, thinking- duh, duh, duh. You went yeah. to the – never mind. Yeah, yeah. New Orleans. Ignore me. Ignore me. I'm an idiot. So Wow. We're just going to take some heat for that one. Um, <laughs> we're recording later. We're recording later than usual. Yeah, huh? We're recording very late. This <laughs> it's been a long day. I've been up since five. So that's... Yeah. So uh, this was 16. Now, look, they usually draw uh, 900 fans sellouts in Samstown. So from that perspective, they drew 700 more fans. But we talk about this all the time. You mm-hmm. can't run a 7,000 seat building, draw 1,600 fans. Uh, and then call it like some kind of raging success. I mean, it it it, it, it looks ugly. So, um, and and really, honestly, I think this kills any Will Ospreay Flair Thez talk because this is his big headline match. Now, if this would have drawn six thousand fans, you, you see what I'm saying here? He headlined a major pay per view here, and it just didn't draw. So, right. I think this relegates Will Ospreay to most outstanding talk because uh, look, he, you know, he he draws on the what, what would you call it? The large indie level, your progresses and your, you know, he'll fill a 2000 seat or a 1500 seat building. Same thing in new Japan. He can headline Cork and hall for a best of super juniors and fill it up uh, and things like that. But he was given an opportunity here to headline a major pay-per-view for a major company. And they put 6,000 fans in a, in a 7,000 seat building. So yeah, I, you know, I, I, so I think that that eliminates them from any flair. Thez talk. There's much stronger contenders for that. But as far as most outstanding, let's start with that match. Uh, Jay Lethal, Will Ospreay, I love this. This was a terrible pay-per-view. I don't know what you thought of it. This was a very bad pay-per-view until the last two matches. And I did love the main event. I thought Ospreay, Lethal, well, I don't know. Is Love strong? I think I went four flat on it. Yeah, it was fine. I enjoyed it, but it, it had no consequences. And it had no, and that's kind of the theme for the show. We'll talk about it in a little bit. It just didn't feel important. And it was like, you know, good wrestling is, is great. I love good wrestling. I love good wrestling matches, but I want matches with stakes. I want matches with importance. And this was like, yeah, good wrestling match, but I didn't, I, I don't care. I, who would possibly care? JY, you know, or, or uh, uh, Osprey just shows up on a pre tape and, hey, give me the challenge. And it's like, all right, yeah, I'll give you the challenge. And it's like, what are we doing here? This has no, there's been no background to here. Why would anybody care about this other than seeing these? two guys and like yeah great match i enjoyed it but yeah you get, i need a little bit more meat i need some stakes to my good wrestling it just can't be a good wrestling match i'll disagree with you somewhat to, on that aspect because i was into the match as it was happening i thought that the work was good enough where they sucked me in now was the build great no like you said willow spray popped up on a pre-tape promo and laid out a challenge and that was it even though he hadn't been there for a year but yeah. right and, and, and when they had him under contract, they did nothing with him and didn't give him world title shots. And now he just randomly pops in, uh, you know, and, and, and yeah, so it wasn't a great build, especially when they were trying to sell 7,000 tickets. Uh, it was not a great build at all, but I thought the match delivered. And, you know, it, it's between that and the Marty Squirrel match, you know, a couple nights later. Let me tell you something about Will Ospreay. I went and counted. Rich, I have him. Uh, he's got four star or better matches for me in 10 different promotions this year. Can you believe, has there ever been a wrestler ever who can maybe say that 10 promotions, Rich, that's a lot of fucking promotions. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, really that's, is. That's a lot of promotions to wrestle in, let alone have matches that are four stars or better in 10 different. How many wrestlers will wrestle in 10 different promotions this year? You know, indie guys aside, you know what I mean? Who are just going to wrestle in, you know, a, you know, a million promotions, but a big time star like this to, to wrestle in 10 promotions and then have, you know, awesome matches in 10 different promotions is crazy. But, you know, he added ring of honor to the list with this match. I looked at my, uh, 
my uh, infamous notebook, I did go four and a quarter on this match. I thought it was an awesome match. And uh, I thought the semi-main event was was an awesome match with uh, the Bullet Club 10-man against Chaos. Okada, Chucky e. T, Beretta, Rocky Romero, Tomohiro Ishii. This was a Young Bucks multi-man, uh, fun as fuck, uh, multi-man match. And I thought the rest of the show um, was was an absolute nothing, dry, boring um, you know, pathetic excuse for a pay-per-view. It was just nothing was even bad. It was just boring and dry. Yeah. And what did was, you think of the semi-main event? Uh, the semi-main, I, I liked it. Just, it was, I don't it, Again, like I, I was watching the show and I just felt like nothing mattered to me. And that, that might yeah. be an issue with Ring of Honor and, and, and my personal thoughts with Ring of Honor or whatnot. But I mean, listen to this crowd. Nothing fucking mattered to them either. Like this match did because it was all these names that they cared about. But the action, once the guys came out and did all their stuff, it was kind of like the crowd was just like, yeah, all right, whatever. Like, it was just stuff happening. You know what I mean? It was a good match, but just shit happened. And it's like nothing – you feel like this. I'm, I'm watching this pay-per-view. Give me something. Give me a reason. Of what, why are these guys fighting? What's going on? It's just – it was a match that just existed. And it's fine. It was really good for 21 minutes. But when it was over, I was like, yeah, cool, done. All right, cool. And I'll never remember this match ever again. It'll never pop in my head ever again. Good for the moment. Fun to watch these guys in the ring. But, like, where's the stakes? What's the consequences? Why would I care about this? Give me a reason to care. This crowd didn't react to anyone on this show until Jeff Cobb came out to uh, to to go nose to nose with Punishment Martinez. They popped for Jeff Cobb, then they popped for the Bullet Club, and they popped for Okada, and then you know Will Ospreay got a good reaction. Other than that, nobody else on this show. And we went like six, seven matches deep with nobody getting any kind of reaction on this show. You know, it's um, it, and, and it resulted in a very dry atmosphere. I thought. Kenny King, Jushin Liger was a nothing match. I mean, an absolute nothing match, which, you know, it's just a two-star special. Yeah, it told a good story, I think, with Kenny King, you know, trying to worried about his reputation and not wanting to be, you know, the kind of the shades of gray that we're talking about, like at times good, but then realizing, hey, I'm going to use a little extra bit to get the win. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be nice for a minute to Liger, but then I'm going to, you know, you know, do a what was a spine buster to beat him, even though like so there's weird stuff there where I thought there was a good idea. I mean, essentially, if you're not following the story, uh, Kenny King showed some sympathy to Austin Aries a few months ago in a match, and Austin Aries beat him and kind of said, Hey, you're an idiot for showing sympathy, you got to have you know a little bit more hard nosed approach and get a little bit mean. And and Kenny King is then slowly but surely not sure how to reconcile that. Of, of you know, in matches, he'll he'll start out being old Kenny King of old who's just out there smiling and having fun, and then maybe show a little bit of mean tactics here in this. Usually thought Liger was down at a point and he he waited for him to get up and he like shook his hand and and tried to give him like a hug and then just spine bustered him and, and, and got the win and just said, hey, there you go. You know, that's that's what I do or whatever. So I, I, I thought the story of it was good, but like 11 minutes to get to that was pretty gruesome at, at points because it was just not interesting at all. Uh, it's just boring match to me. Yeah. And, and um, I thought the Briscoes and the addiction was the best match on the on the undercard before we got to the same event. That was really good. Special. No, that was really good. It wasn't um, yeah, maybe not like special, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't think it was great, but I think. It, the problem is they went long. They went way. I mean, that match went almost 20 minutes. It needed to be about 10. You know what I mean? It would have been fine yeah. if it was 12. I'm watching it going, okay, guys, let's go home, buddies. Like, we got a good thing going here. Let's just end it. It maybe got a little too long. So I, I thought it was very good. It just uh, a little a little much. It was a little too much. Sumi Sakai, who might be the worst champion in, oh, you know, worst major champion in Raza, she's terrible. I mean, she just hasn't been a good champion. She hasn't, right from the moment she won the title in that slop fest of a tournament final, it just hasn't been a good title reign. And um, I was expecting her to lose here to Tennille Dashwood. But no, she retains. And again, it was a nothing match. Um, you know, I guess didn't have a bunch of sloppiness and botches like we're accustomed to in this title run, but. 
I didn't think this was any good. Nah, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, now, it was, I saw uh, a lot of people were raving about it. And really? Oh. Yeah, and I just didn't understand. I, I, I got I a mean, different match then. My TV must have been <laughs> fucked up or something because that's... I, mean, I thought it was fine. I, yeah. you know, I, but I didn't think it was like a two and three quarter stars. If I had to rate it somewhere in that neighborhood, um, you know, I guess the finish it picked up for the closing stretch, but I didn't think this was anything special. People were going nuts about this match and saying it was, you know, the best match at this point in the show. I didn't think it was better than the uh, Briscoes uh, SCU match. God, no, no um, way. So, yeah, I don't know. And then and, and Sumi retains. On the Sumi scale, I guess it was pretty good. <laughs> that's so, some horrible yeah. matches. It's a very low scale, but yeah, that's uh, I thought Tenille was not very good in this match. And you can tell that obviously some stuff is bothering her. And as we found out after the show, that she's going to be uh, on the shelf for a while, uh, getting shoulder surgery and, and has some other issues going on as well. So, yeah, the psoriasis on top of that. Yeah, yeah. she's having a bad time. She needs to take a few months off here. So, uh, hopefully, like Sumi Sakai, because apparently she is gonna keep being the champion. She's really bad, and the problem too is when you hear like the commentary. And I know why they're putting her over because she is the champion in that. But it's like, yeah, well, they they can't bury her, I mean, right? So they're like, oh, she devoted her life to wrestling, and wrestling is her life, and she did. It. And it's like, yeah, but she sucks. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to hear that. Like, oh, they're a KG veteran of twenty years and all that sort of stuff. But then they like are terrible. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, really? Like she's this been, is what? She's been a good wrestler. It's just this title run has not been good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. For whatever reason, it just hasn't worked. Um, you know, Punishment Martinez successfully defends against Chris Saban in a nothing match. This is basically a TV match. And then uh, Jeff Cobb comes out, gets a monster pop, and then apparently Cobb won the title at the tapings because Punishment Martinez is WWE bound. Yeah, so here's uh, here's what the Observer had to say about this. Punishment Martinez, uh, who was the TV champion, had accepted a deal with WWE and was finishing up here. So, of course, he retained uh, and then got laid out by Jeff Cobb. So, yeah, official, uh, he has accepted a deal with WWE and is done with Ring of Honor. So what are your thoughts on that? Because I think that is – it probably shouldn't be a – that big of a deal but it kind of feels like it is in the in, this, in the pantheon of, of ring of honor and how you know slim the roster is and how slim the roster is of of guys you know new up-and-coming guys guys that they've developed and they've really cultivated Pusher martinez was one of those guys and now he's gone and he's going to WWE, and that yeah. leaves a pretty big hole here i mean yeah it's Pusher martinez and it's like yeah whatever but i don't know i mean that's a bit any guy anybody any full-time guy they lose on this roster is a big deal right now because they do not have many of them they got about 15 people on their fucking main roster so yeah losing one is is a big deal especially one that they pushed pretty hard over the last year one of the closest things to a homegrown guy that they have too even though he's not technically homegrown he really didn't make a mark anywhere uh before he made his mark in ring of honor so he felt like a homegrown guy because no one's sitting there watching monster factory tapes okay i don't you know you just no one's doing it let's be honest so uh yeah it's it's a loss because they were also pushing him yeah um you know and they're they're pushing flip too so he's really, you know, and Jonathan Gresham, I mean, it looked like they might finally push him after the Jay Lethal Iron Man match, but he's working a dark match on this show. So he's kind of like Jay Lethal's little buddy right now, and maybe that'll lead to something. But, you know, he's wrestling Beer City Bruiser in a dark match. So it's not like they even put him in a tag or a multi-man to put him over. So I, I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know where you turn. And if the Bullet Club does decide to, you know, sign with WWE come January. ROH is really fucked, really fucked. So, and Punishment Martinez, he's a guy who he has good size, so he'll get every opportunity in WWE. He's a little awkward. I like him. I turned the corner on him a long time ago. You know that. The listeners know that. I like him, and I think there's something there with him, but he is a little awkward. And he's a guy who tries really hard. 
And he does things a guy his size shouldn't be able to do. But at the same time, sometimes he's a little awkward too. So I don't know. He he may require some work. And, yeah, he's 36, by the way, in case people don't know that. He's, he's 36 years old. Not so a kid. Not... He's not a kid. You're right about that. But, um, you know, I, 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 I think he's better than a lot of the people that that company does feature on TV and push. But he's definitely a little rough around the edges. But I do think he's a guy who can make the main roster at some point. Yeah, it too. Yeah, he's got a good. He's got a pretty decent look. So I think that's yeah. uh, that would definitely yeah, help him. Good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's <laughs> it's pretty funny. I didn't even notice this. Um, Dave in the Observer uh, put punishment Martinez parentheses Luis not Ariba Martinez. So <laughs> that's that's kind of old classic Dave right there. You know what I mean? Like little junk not food dog. So that's that's um, I think Tito Santana. It's related to Tito Santana. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't get that because yeah. It, so the, the, Tito used to say Arriba, like as yes, but there was so there was an old Mexican wrestler named Luis Martinez, I think. I'm trying to remember, and I think his nickname was Arriba Luis Martinez. Oh, okay, so it doesn't have anything to do with Tito Santana. No, 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 no. I just mean yeah, oh. that, that, that's yeah, the old. Uh, but I think that was kind of like Dave. Sometimes will inject that. That's like an old school yes. Dave thing, where you know he used yes. to just like editorialize and do all that. I still love that he uses shoot names sometimes, like guys. Yeah. Like Chris Dave in parentheses, it's like okay, man. Okay, right, well, random. Yeah, <laughs> the old Dave, like the '80s and '90s pay per view reports, he would do that for everyone. <laughs> it, it would say Shawn Michaels, Michael Hickenbottom, twenty-seven. That's <laughs> yeah, so weird. <laughs> Defeated whoever you know, Vader, Undertaker, Mark White. Calloway, comma thirty-two. You're like what? Right. Yes. And he stopped doing that many years ago. Yeah, but it's Vader, like, right, White. Every, like, all right, we got it. <laughs> But every now and then he'll throw that in. It's yeah. it's it's funny. You're right. Like he'll still do it every now and then. Yeah. So then we had Bully Ray and Silas Young defeat oh, Gordon and Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, that's everyone's reaction. Oh yeah. What did I do? Yeah. I mean, why, what did I do to deserve this, Joe? I've been a good person. I volunteer. Oh my god. How toned up can you be to have Bully Ray and Silas win this match? Well, Bully Ray's gonna be the only guy left soon. So <laughs> You might as well keep them hot, keep them heated up. God help us! Oh my god! You know, so uh, so how, yeah. How worried were you? I, I watched it. Uh, I watched this match on Spoiled. How worried were you that that Riccoboni was gonna swivel the hips and hit Colcabana with the chair? <laughs> I, you know, I, so I was like, oh no, really? They're gonna do an Ian Riccoboni heel turn? Like, please don't do that. Like, I didn't want Ian to get involved in any way because I think that's I, I like my idea of my announcer guy just kind of being there. But then when he did it, and he did it where he did, I like he held the chair, and Colt was looking up at him, and Bully was looking up at him, and I was like, "Oh my God, Ian Riccoboni's gonna turn on Colt and join Bully Ray." Thankfully, he did not. But uh, Bully Ray and Zyle was still young. And then the scariest what? thing, well, the thing about it was the scariest thing about Riccoboni going the ringside is it left Caprice Coleman all alone in the broadcast. <laughs> Caprice, and he was fucking awful. I mean, how bad was Caprice? Oh Coleman my God, I wanted to talk about that too. I have a little note uh, to talk about Caprice. So here's the thing with Caprice is. If it was just in the midst of the action and stuff was just kind of going on and he was just talking, he was okay. He wasn't good. His cadence was a little off. But by the middle of the show, you kind of got it. It was kind of okay. The problem though was when he wanted to put emphasis on things, all he did was scream. Yeah. Like the Bullet Club comes out and he's just like, ah, the box out. You're like, all right, yes. dude, reel it in, buddy. Like, chill out. Like the finishes and big matches and big moments and stuff like that, he just screamed. He just decided, I'm going to be loud, as loud as humanly possible. He, he acted kind of like an indie 
announcer. Like we always complain that like indie announcers, this match is a big deal, so I'm just going to yell as much as humanly possible, which yes. is not the way to go. He was fine when Ian would really set him up for something. He could answer some question or if he could stay kind of low key. Wasn't great. I don't want to ever hear him again. I hope Cole Cabana never gets booked for another Ring of Honor show again because I only want to hear him on commentary. But he was fine in like those in between moments. But my God, when anything needed like enthusiasm oh dear god he was really bad and he had no idea what to do when ian was gone no idea even though ian was gone for like a minute and a half and i've heard caprice on commentary but he he's never been awful he was awful on this show it was just flat out terrible to the point where like if i was running things he'd never do it again it was it was really really offensively bad how bad he was on commentary and that was your show because then we get into the semi and the main that we already talked about. Not a good pay-per-view for Ring of Honor at all from any aspect. So um, that's that. Do you want to well, do uh, – real, real quick what I loved about the uh, the Bully Ray Silas too is how many times do we need to, see, need to see Bully Ray just like beating the fuck out of Flip Gordon for like five minutes at a time? Like, yeah, it's, it's like when does the, when does Flip Gordon get the big win? Right. <laughs> at some point, you have to stop beating up Flip Gordon with – parts of a table like at what point do we just stop beating up flip gordon and making him look like a, a child and my that big, has to happen at some point right well my, my big thing is like if it's final battle i'm worried they're going to do colt cabana bully ray at final battle yeah, right, and right, not right. flip gordon bully ray at final battle it has to be flip gordon it has to be this is the guy they have to push <sighs> and that starts with beating bully ray yes <laughs> please at some points what was it May that they started? I was at the Ring of Honor show where I think they started this feud. It was like May. It's fucking October. There's my, dead, I liked... my dead parents had property in Montana. Yes, I was there for that promo. <laughs> so I have a soft spot for Montana. Oh, my God. The best part is he thinks he's being such a great heel, too. Uh, and, well, you know what? I, you know, no. Hold on. I can bury this because it's later in the show and, and they, they wouldn't listen. Anyway, uh, when I was at All In, I was sitting in the press box with the Busted Open guys. Yeah. And and me and August are like laughing about Bully Ray and just like fuck Bully Ray like, because we're just like this sucks or whatever. You're and they're like right run to the busted open guys. Yeah, exactly. It was Dave. I think was the guy that was sitting next to us or whatever. Yeah, Lebreca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, that's heel heat, guys. Like that's what the real heel heat looks like. I'm like, no, it's not. Nobody cares about Bully Ray in 2018. It's heel heat because he's getting like people are, but it's apathy. It's oh my god, please get off our screen, heel heat. That's a big difference. But in in some buildings, he does get legitimate heat. I guess I've I seen. Don't I've fucking seen see him. I guess it's me. I just don't want to fucking see him anymore. Then, I, I wa- no, I watch the TV, and sometimes it's like molten heat that this guy gets, and you're like, like, okay, this isn't for me, but I get it. But then there's other times where Bully Ray comes out, and it's like you're saying it's apathy. Nobody cares. So I, I do think it depends on the makeup of the crowd. Um, you know, on this show, I don't really remember if this was more of a people coming in to see Okada and Will Ospreay kind of crowd that maybe they didn't care about Bully Ray. I have seen him get like, you know, genuine heat on some of the TV tapings and whatnot. But I think it's just funny that you're in the press box next to the guy that he works with every day and you're burying the fuck well, out of him anyway, which <laughs> I thought was really August funny. was the first one burying him. I kind of nudged him and I sent him like a text message. I'm like, Hey, that the, he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> show with Bully all the time. Yeah. And then yeah. we're just like, ah, fuck it. We'll just keep going. So, yeah. So uh, he took offense and uh, spoke up to the to the to the to the uh, wild and woolly voices of wrestling uh, people who were in the booth. That's funny. I think that's that's very funny. I've always said, "Nah, you know what? I'm not going to do it. You've you've buried <laughs> you've buried busted open enough. We can I'll do save, it another time. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save, save them for another. Show. Yeah, we'll save them for another show. So 
Yeah, I'll save them for another show. Um, all right, so you want to get Super Showdown out of the way here, and then we can uh, – let's see what else we got. We're going to talk about Joey Janela a little bit, and then we'll bounce around Japan. Let's let's, do it. I, I know you don't want to do it, but we can blow through this Super Showdown show. Actually, it's not that bad of a card. The problem is you get in trouble when you say that about WWE shows because, uh, you know, they tend to be super long. And when you get two or three or four or five or six straight matches that have a bullshit finish, uh, you kind of just want to check out of the fucking thing. And look, we know how it goes with this company. But on paper, there's some stuff here that you think could be good. Um, And as much as we dog on the main roster, I'm going to try to be optimistic at least because we do get a chance to review it. And if it does stink, we'll have plenty of time to bury it then. Do you like this happy, uh, po- uh, positive outlook, Joe Lands, that you're getting? I do. Yeah, this is nice. Preview? This is good. Okay, so we'll try it at least. Okay. <laughs> how long it lasts. This show kinda, it doesn't out. matter, so I don't really care as much. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of a fun, weird, semi-non-canon uh, show. So I, you Semi-non-canon, know. but I, I think they did a good job placing some importance on most of the matches late. In the, I don't think it's as non-canon as you think. This is more canon than the Saudi shows, I would say. For sure. Oh, no, no, no. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And I think it's pretty good part of the main event. With the exception. Overall, I I enjoy the card for the most part. But yeah, five hours in, I'm probably going to be burying the fuck out of it when I watch it. But uh, yeah, yeah. So we got Becky Bryan versus Charlotte Reigns. And look, they're trying their best with this. Say something funny, Rich. Wait, what are you what are you talking about? What the hell did you just say? Uh Becky Bryan and oh, this is a bit that I do on the TV. <laughs> it's well Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. I mean it's like Daniel Bryan and Roman yeah, Reigns yeah, no, because no, it's yeah, like yeah. you're not getting the desired reactions. So but I think that they're trying their best with this feud. And I, I think that they're trying their best to make the best of you know, they they botched the the initial execution of what they wanted to get out of this and I don't know what else to say. Are you looking forward to Becky Lynch? Uh, I'm not really looking forward to it, but I think what, what's the good thing is they've given Becky a little bit. I mean, she's still kind of the the heel, but she's doing it in a way where she's not. And she understands the crowd kind of agrees with her a lot about a lot yeah. of it as well. So that that's good. That's kind of the change that they've made. The problem is, though, they still like the announcers are still like, oh, Charlotte Flair. She's the most decorated. Da, 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 da. That's the issue is like. Becky says one thing, the crowd reacts one way, and then the announcers say the other thing. And that's the weird kind of Brian Reigns dynamic that they have right now where the crowd's booing Reigns and they're like, oh, they love him here. <laughs> it's like, no, they, what are you talking about? Like, they didn't. So that's one of the issues. Um, I don't know that I'm looking forward to seeing it because, I mean, they've had pretty good matches. I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll see. I, I, guess, I guess kind of. I guess I don't hate it. So I'm into it a little bit. Asuka and Naomi versus the Iconics. Oh, Rich, I couldn't give a single fuck about this. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm trying to be positive, but who gives a flying fuck? Cares. I mean, how could you possibly fucking care? You know, it's just it's four people I don't give a shit about. Like none of them, I, I couldn't. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Yeah, just move on. Um, New Day and the build to this match, their defense against Sheamus and Cesaro, who are out of witness protection, uh, was uh, Biggie revealing his pancake recipe. And then Cesaro and Sheamus. No, seriously, no. what was the build? No, shut up, Joe. What was, I know you're doing bits from your TV thing, but what was the actual build for this? And, and then dumping pancake batter on uh, on people and throwing pancakes at each other. Rich, that was the actual go home no. No. angle. No, it wasn't. This tag team title match. I know. I haven't been uh, watching the TV, so don't don't lie. How what did they, how did they actually build this matchup? They didn't. It wasn't pancake batter. Get, get the fuck out of here. How did they actually build this matchup? 
Uh, it's the tag board. titles, the straps, Joe. These are the straps. These are the lineage yes. of these tag titles. No, it's not pancake bag. Get out of here. Well, how, how was the actual build? I know that they do the pancake thing, but how did they actually build this match? Yes, there was pancake batter poured on one another and mm-hmm. uh, pancakes thrown. Oh. And yeah, that was the build. Rich, why would you I, care? Why would you care? Why would somebody at home be like, oh man, I can't wait to see Cesaro and Sheamus get, you know, get the revenge over. I am so tired of the new day. I just, I've, I, I'm so over the new day. I'm tired of the new day. I just want Big E to split off from this group. And you can keep Kofi and Xavier Woods together. And they can do, they can blow on their trumpets. And they can dance to the ring with their bootios. And they can do this uh, new day act all they want. But can we please just get Big E out of this? And just attempt to give him a semblance of a push. I mean, can we try it at least? Is that too much to ask? I'm not asking to blow up New Day. You can keep it with the other two guys. Mm-hmm. But I'm just so tired of this. The Big E thing. We, we've said it time and time. We've been saying this now for four or five years on the show. So there's no point in saying it anymore. He is going to be, when it's all said and done, 10, 15 years from now, he is going to be one of those guys. It's like every Bleach Report article, every, every article is going to, every slider, you know, ever is going to be number one most underused or underrated guy of all time is going to be Big E. I mean, th- this guy is a star and could be a giant star. He's a great wrestler, great personality, looks like a million bucks, a fucking star, and he's fucking around with pancake batter and shit. Who and, is and... who is amused by this? I... Why is this amusing or fun? I don't... It lasted three matches, Joe. Your, uh, <laughs> your positivity on this show. <laughs> I'm trying. I just, I don't... Uh... I don't know. <laughs> just move on. So Cedric That's, Alexander, you like this? You like there you go. I, I will. Yourself. I talk Close about yourself. this. Close yourself a little I bit. Talk, I talk about this every week. As Cedric Alexander defends against Buddy Murphy, they had a great video package this week on Two Hundred Five Live showing these men training. Buddy Murphy will be in front of his hometown crowd. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. So it should have some heat. Um, you know, if it doesn't, then we really know that no one's paying attention to Two Hundred Five. The guy can't even get a good reaction in front of his hometown crowd. I think there's a decent chance for a title change, but like I talk about on the reviews, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who holds this title. So every time there's a title match, I say, I think there's a decent chance for a title change because it really doesn't make a difference. Um, but it, it's not like they hot potato it, though. It's been stable uh, since Cedric Alexander won the title, which is a good thing. He's been an okay champion. He's not lighting the world on fire, but it wouldn't be the worst idea to belt up Buddy Murphy here in Australia. But I, I you know, like all these cruiserweight title matches, it's a 50-50 match. If it gets time, if it gets at least 10 to 12 minutes, it can be a killer match. So that's what I'm hoping for here. The show's only four hours long, Rich, so they may not have time to get these guys. <laughs> they might get cut all together. Yeah, they might get cut all together once they uh, time everything out. But no, I mean, I, I think, I know they don't love to do that in this company and they like the, you know, having him you know worry, but you're never gonna be, you're probably not gonna be back in australia anytime so just have fucking buddy murphy win the title in front of the giant crowd in australia just do it you know what i mean it's a cruiserweight championship you don't care all that much about it it's and it's because he's a heel yeah exactly but i yeah he's not gonna be a heel they're gonna announce him unless they announce him from like sarasota florida i think they're probably gonna cheer for him a lot so well this is why i thought gulak had a good chance to win the title a couple weeks ago on 205 live because i figured okay buddy murphy's gonna get a babyface reaction maybe it's just better to put him in there with a heel but then i thought to myself this company doesn't think like that anymore no they don't do logical pro wrestling things so it doesn't 
so it doesn't so it doesn't matter you know what i mean right. it's also, it's yeah like, so Buddy Murphy I... will probably cheat the entire time and then win by like a roll-up holding the tights or some shit. Or something, you know, you know what I mean? what? Like, you're not yeah. wrong. That's probably the kind of bullshit we'll get. Right. Because it's on a main roster show, so we'll get that Vince oversight. And, you know, he'll want it to be all gimmicked up with, you know, we're going to give these guys some character, damn it. You know what I mean? And, and it'll fucking, it won't be a great match. So you've, su- you've even sucked the life out of me with a match <laughs> I was looking Sorry. No, no, to. no, you started it. You started it. All right. I, I even announced it when you started. You said they you wanted Gulak to be in here, and then you said, "Oh, they don't do logical shit." So that you're, that's your fault. That's your fault. You started. I just kept it going. Speaking of logic, though, this next match is, is brimming with logic. We've got the submission match that was set up by the. Oh no, wait a minute. It's no count out, <laughs> no disqualification for some reason. Finally, no more countouts in this feud, and no more DQs, which has been littered with DQs and countouts. Thank God we're finally getting a no DQ, no disqualification. We can't do it. We just can't do it, Joe. We're trying. <laughs> We can't. And AJ, you know, Samoa Joe is apparently like, what is he now? He's a stalker. He's a cat burglar. He's a, uh, you know, he's. <laughs> so. <laughs> the house stuff. I hate the house stuff so much. He, he's freaking the, the whole invasion shit. It's always terrible. It's. Uh, Why is it's he invading a, his house? Because <laughs> they do it once per decade and they can't help themselves. It's one of their go tos oh, once per decade when they do home invasions. <laughs> um, you know, so they've mucked this start up. with a tie up, too. That's the best part. It's going to start with a collar double tie up. Yeah, you watch. It's going to start. Absolutely. Someone's going to grab a hold in this match. He wants to fuck your wife. He kidnapped people. <laughs> He's breaking into your house. I'm going to work your arm over <laughs> i guess it, it has a chance to be good right i mean the other two matches were yeah, right no, the last match was fine. yeah no, it'll be fine it'll be good uh, who cares <laughs> who fucking cares just go just come on i want to talk about other stuff the bellas and ronda rousey that would be uh nikki bella real shooter brie bella who's not allowed <laughs> to work singles matches anymore yeah nikki sawa and 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 kawada aka brie bella Ah uh, yes, and uh, and Ronda Rousey against the Riot Squad. Uh, Liv Morgan has been cleared, so we could all stop overreacting to that. So she will wrestle in the mm-hmm. match with Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan, and this is a six woman tag. And um, yeah, hold on, I'm drafting a tweet about how uh, Brie Bella is the uh, real shooter on her entire team. So one sec, I uh, and then have a uh, a Nikki Sawa. I'm sure it's one of many many that are out there right now. But yeah, let me just get that up there. Okay, that'll, I'm done. all right. That'll that'll uh, get the likes. They'll be slapping like. like on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Slap that heart, baby. Let's go. Slapping like. Yes. Um, anything else to say about this? No. I'm running, I'm running out of steam. With no, this just part. go. Just go. Just go. Come on. <laughs> we got to wrap it up. The Shield takes on Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, <laughs> and Drew McIntyre. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, of course, were climbing up the side of the Hell in a Cell to do battle with uh, Seth and Dean. As Roman and Braun Strowman were inexplicably selling a spear for like nine minutes in the Hell in a Cell last month to set this one up. So this show is very canon. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It really is. I guess it is, yeah. It's it's a very much a canon. It's not like the Saudi shows, but um, they're teasing another S.H.I.E.L.D. breakup. It, <laughs> just got to, it's, yeah. it's, <laughs> I have a friend that texted me, like a casual fan friend, that just said, what the fuck? Are they breaking them up again? Did they just put them together? Like I, He only watches like periodically, and he only watches Raw or whatever. And he was just like, what the fuck? And I was like, I, I, Dan, I can't help you anymore, man. I've told him. I straight up said, Dan, don't ask me anymore. I don't know. I can't answer it. Because I would always, he'd ask me something and I'd say, well, this is the logic or this is what they're thinking. 
I said, Dan, I don't know. He says, didn't they just get back together like four weeks ago? I said, yes, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He says, why would you bring them back together just to break them up? And I said, that's kind of the Vince thing, though. You know what I mean? Vince, teams exist to be broken up. Units exist to be broken up. This is record time, though, for this unit. I mean, this these guys have been together three or four weeks, and we're already setting it up, plotting it, and I, who fuck it, whatever. Who cares? They've lost their ability to tell compelling stories. <laughs> they didn't even now listen, it's it's, and this is why your friend Dan, a casual fan, this is why Raw sets a new ratings low every week now, for the last couple of weeks, and people can sit there and say that uh, the television industry doesn't care about ratings anymore, and it, the ratings don't mean what they used to mean, and all of those things are true, Rich. But I think all of those people are missing the point. There's nothing good about breaking all-time record low ratings we get right week. So, hey, I, have exact, I have the exact text string so here let's read this real quick he says for fuck's sakes turn on raw and i hear is there a crack in the shield which is great i forgot that they said yeah that. is there a crack in the shield <laughs> like that's great awesome. uh that's the third time they've done the angle now is the shield breaking up who gives a shit and i said uh i said yeah man i can't really help you anymore he says i went from watching an average of two and a half hours of the three-hour show to now about five or twelve minutes he says tonight about a minute and 24 seconds put them together break them up put them together break it up for, for people, for some reason, think Ambrose is going to turn heel soon. I can't see it, da, 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 whatever. So put them together the third time. Fuck you. <laughs> just, that's it. And then he just that, he texted me again that night about Raw. So that was it. So I think a lot of people are frustrated with the main roster and with Raw in particular. Yeah. People are frustrated with Raw and it's showing. And yeah, it's not like, you know, look, the company's not going to fold tomorrow because these Raw ratings are low. And, and yeah, ratings don't hold the importance that they used to hold. And that's true too. But if you keep siphoning viewers like this, you know, sometimes it's hard to earn them back. And I know it's only been a couple of weeks, but there are larger trends. If you, if, if you, if you look back from a wider lens and this isn't good momentum. And, and, no, no, and, and, and listen, to our, listen to our guys at WrestleNomics too, on the, on this very podcast network, uh, the guys at WrestleNomics radio, cause they'll give you the kind of the long, and I'm sure they're going to do it sometime in the next few weeks. Yeah. The overall arcing. I mean, it's 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 not positive. You know what I mean? It's it's you would want to gain viewers. It, it, losing viewers is never an okay thing, right? No matter what, it's not, it's not bank it on tomorrow. But yeah, losing people and having your lowest ratings ever is is not good. Like that's it, it, there's no it, it, good thing about it's not good, but it's never not bad either. Right. There's people trying to say that this isn't bad. Oh, it's it's bad. It's not bad because you know ratings don't mean what they used to. No one even cares in the television. Losing viewers is this right. is at its core. You, you can you can say, yes. well, nobody cares about core hours. Nobody cares about the minutes anymore. Da, 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 da. At the end of this day, who cares? We're talking about ratings and Nielsen ratings. Losing viewers, you're losing viewers a lot. <laughs> viewers are going to other things. You can see other things that are rising. The NFL is recovering after a year of down ratings. The NBA is doing well already in preseason. MLB games are doing quite well. The wild card games and the playoffs and whatnot. These are going to exist. And people are finding their TVs there. People that all threw away their TVs and cut their cable are somehow reattaching their cables and watching football and watching basketball and watching baseball and that sort of stuff. So they matter in that sense. It doesn't mean they're going out of business. It doesn't that, but you don't want to lose viewers. At the core of the issue is losing viewers is bad. You, losing viewers is bad. And, and we went through this last year with the NFL. and People were trying to identify why the NFL was losing viewers. Was it uh, the Trump bullshit with the kneeling? Was it, uh, was it you know, whatever else. And this year, the NFL is up in every single broadcast window. Early window Sunday, late window Sunday, uh, Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football. It's all up to a significant degree. Uh, like you said, the, the, the Cubs wild card game the other night, the Cubs Rockies wild card game, up against the wild card game the year before. So you can't come at me with, oh, all of television's down. 
this is just Raw's following the same trend as everything else. Really? Because I thought these billion-dollar television deals were predicated on the fact that it's live programming similar to sports that's going to produce. Well, sports are all up right now. Okay? Uh, LeBron James' debut with the Lakers in a preseason game. <laughs> in San Diego. <laughs> is doing a bit. So, you know, yeah, the stuff that Raw yeah. is supposed to be comparable to is all up. And Raw is breaking record lows on a weekly basis. Right. You cannot hand wave it and disregard it as completely meaningless. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. Well, and I, I think the people are, are, are bringing up all well, the, the, the top rated show on, on, on USA and whatnot. And, and they're doing well on USA and nobody cares. You know, and then people uh, mentioning, you know, what they're doing uh, comparable to other network shows and whatnot. And that's all well and good. That, that's fine that they're beating suits. And that's good that they're beating, you know, other stuff on other network shows. But they got a billion dollars because they're a sports property. They're a live sports property. Yeah, and live sports properties uh, across the board are doing well in ratings, while WWE is doing record lows, and that's bad. It, 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 there's suits. Suits didn't get a, a billion dollars. You know what I mean? <laughs> suits, yeah, yeah. suits is supposed to be doing worse than, than WWE. Suits. That's you know, I, I'm not impressed by that. And Fox doesn't care that you know you're beating suits on USA. They care about what you're gonna do on Fox, and you know they've got time to reverse this. But it's never good to lose viewers. Less eyeballs means less people you could sell the network to. Right. Less eyeballs means less people that you can sell traditional pay-per-views to or sell tickets to events to or sell your dopey merchandise to. This is, this is some wild spin when people say that an all-time record low two weeks in a row isn't significant or doesn't matter or no one cares. That is some wild fucking spin, and I just I, – it, 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 it's, it's mind-blowing that people just consider that uh, you know, it, like it doesn't fucking matter. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. But uh, but yeah, and I think it's poor storytelling. Like your casual fan who doesn't understand why the Shield, who he was all hyped up for, is breaking up already. So uh, Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. We're a little, uh, presumably this is you know will be a little higher on the card. It's being pushed as a bigger match than some of the other Daniel Bryan and Miz matches on pay per view have been because it's a number one contender match for the WWE title. Rich, is this where Daniel Bryan finally beats The Miz, or does The Miz find another? A uh, sleazy way to beat Daniel Bryan and get a title shot, and do we drag this thing out even further? I think we probably drag it out even further. I think the Miz probably finds a way to do it. I guess Bryan could win, but then he—it it seems weird for him to get a title shot right now, and it doesn't feel like they've really set that up. But, but maybe they do. I don't know. It'd be smart, I think, to, to have Bryan just win and, and, and move on from this feud and, and and take a step up. But I tend to think that there'll be some shenanigans uh, at foot here because I don't think they're done with this. Bobby Lashley and John Cena versus Elias and Kevin Owens. Um, a lot of comedy here. You think? Uh, I don't know what to make of this. Um, yeah, who knows? I mean, Casino's not around, so it's hard to know what that's going to be. And they're trying to draw seventy thousand fans, though. So exactly. So that that's why he's there. So he's just there. So I think this match just exists. You know, yeah. I think Elias will will do his. Yeah, it's going to be a comedy thing. Who cares? Yeah, it's 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 a comedy thing, and John Cena's there. So Cena probably gets the pinfall. Probably pins Elias, or maybe pins Kevin Owens. It's probably likely that he probably can. Uh, pins uh, Kevin Owens and, and yeah, who I mean, it's 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 there because John Cena's needed a match, so whatever. And then Triple H Undertaker with Shawn Michaels there, which will set up the Shawn Michaels uh, return in Saudi Arabia. I am not as down on this as other people are because I understand why you need to do this match. It's a seventy thousand seat building or a sixty thousand seat building, whatever it is. I don't know the exact number of seats, but it's like sixty thousand seats minimum. You're trying to sell as many tickets as possible, and uh, what this also tells you, Rich, is they have no confidence in their full time roster to sell tickets. Because they're bringing in Triple H and Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker and John Cena when it comes time to really sell some tickets without the WrestleMania name attached. Mm -hmm. This company is telling you 
that their full-time roster cannot sell tickets on that scale. Yeah, or they don't. But they don't have confidence in them. No they might confidence. be right in that. They might be right in that, and oh, that's kind right. of a, oh, they're, they're definitely right. Yeah, they're right, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy as well. You don't push any guys, and you make your old guys feel like they're the most important things in the world. And then when you try to promote shows, you need the old guys, which is fine because they have a stable old reason. guys ready all the time. So it's it's yeah. it's okay. And this, is, and this is why you can't take people seriously when they say, "Well, Roman Reigns has main evented four straight WrestleManias that have drawn you know fifty-five thousand plus. It doesn't mean anything. It's WrestleMania that's drawing that. And here's your proof." Because if Roman Reigns was this mega draw who draws 60,000 people to shows, he'd be headlining this show. And they wouldn't drag the carcass of The Undertaker yeah. out of his house in Austin, Texas. And they wouldn't be dragging the carcass of Shawn Michaels and his bald, the bald head. Oh, the bald and, head of Shawn Michaels. What a and they story. wouldn't be asking John Cena to work this show if they thought that Roman Reigns and the rest of the gang could actually sell some tickets. They can't. It's the WrestleMania name, which they've been – which all credit to them. They've turned WrestleMania into an enormous draw on its own. And this is why I say a lot of times the card doesn't fucking matter on a grant. They're going to sell a ton of tickets without even announcing the match every year for WrestleMania. And look, if you announce a good card, you can sell some and maybe fill, fill the place and all those sorts of things. I get it. But this is your proof that your core roster, and especially Roman Reigns, they have no faith in the people they've pushed to fill up a building of this size. And, 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 and this, this, this is a ton. Anytime someone makes a WrestleMania argument with you, all you need to do is point them to this show and what they had to do to pull out all the stops. Yeah, Bron Bron and Roman, I mean, which are probably the two most pushed commodities in, in, in some way, shape, or form. Are, are you know, yeah, where's the, you know, we don't have the exact slotting of the matches, but you know, third from the top, second from the top, third, fourth from the top. I mean, it's it's not the match that's being featured the most. I mean, the match oh, that is being promoted they, so far and away the most. Is Triple H. H. Yeah, 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 and that and you can argue that that's Triple H being kind of an egomaniac or whatever. But at the end of its day, yeah, yeah whatever. I mean, that's probably that's what is going to draw. Faith they have in the core roster, exactly. extending their core roster here to sell tickets, and they right. don't. And I understand it's a giant building. I, I get it, but it, you know, I still think it sends a message. So I'm not really as down on this. I understand why they have to do it, and I do think to the WWE uh, Gen Pop audience, this is a big match. It's 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 not for me or Rich Crate or a lot of the people listening. I don't mind. But Joe, it's the person, end of an era. What do you mean? It's the end of an era. The last time that these two juggernauts of their 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 era. Are you kidding? You have the one of the the biggest star, not one of the the biggest star of the Attitude Era, Triple H, who single handedly won the Monday Night War when you know him and DX brought the Humvee to uh, the No Fork Scope um, versus the Undertaker. So I mean. Ah, it's a, it's a monumental occasion, so I don't know what you... No, it's... it's, it's pretty, What's actually interesting about that, it, it, a little bit of a credit to them, too, because they built up this stable of old dudes that they can just pluck up anytime they need to, and those guys are never leaving. Those guys are never going anywhere. You know what I mean? Right. Until they die or whatever, but, like, you know, Triple H isn't going anywhere. He's going to be there forever. The Undertaker, as long as you can wheel his corpse out there, apparently, he'll he'll work for you. I mean, Shawn Michaels now, they've maybe presumably got back up and, 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 and running. John Cena feels like a guy who presumably could be around there for a while so that's to their credit they've been able to do that but that's a short-sighted thing you know you're gonna eventually these guys are not gonna be able to go and, and, and be the next guys that you can pluck up and and there's not really a, a a generation behind them that's really ready to do that either so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how they they handle that you know in the years prior or in the years moving forward but for a while they have it so so that's your super show is scheduled what four hours five hours four uh hours? i forget i should probably find out so i can get is any idea. of this pre-show or how does this work? i don't even know uh, nothing shown as a pre-show right now but of course they could time stuff up and and, and see uh what happens i thought it said four hours but i i don't know for sure if that's exactly what it is but uh it's 4 a.m on what friday saturday morning saturday morning yeah, if so you want to get up friday. it's four o'clock in the morning if yeah. you want late friday slash early saturday so Check the time in your time zone, though. We just put for our time zone, so don't uh, don't 
don't get mad. We've had That's people get mad. When we... I think so. I think it's 4 a.m. Central. So it's 5 a.m. East Eastern. Yeah. So just figure out the time on your own. <laughs> then you don't have to get mad at us. But that's that like 11 is... o'clock in the morning in uh, Europe, right? Yeah. 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 So it's not bad for them. Not bad for them. Yeah. All right. So that is our feverish review of Super Showdown. So I don't know. I'll watch it. Might enjoy it. We'll find out. All right. Uh, do you want to talk uh, quickly? Let's talk quickly about Joey Janela's injury, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll finish by bouncing around Japan here. Sure. Um, so the Janela injury, we we heard a few weeks ago that uh, he had mentioned on Twitter that uh, just doing what was it a cross body off the top or just a cross body, just a normal move, uh, messed his knee up pretty good. Said you know he went to the one doctor. They said ACL. It was kind of damaged. The MCL was totally damaged. The PCL. The, he basically listed off every ligament in his knee and said there was some damage to every single one of them. Uh, he said the prognosis was six to ten months. Uh, we got an update this week though that uh, he saw the surgeon and it is much worse than that, unfortunately. Uh, this is directly from uh, this week's Wrestling Observer. Uh, he was told that the cha- damage was so severe that it will be more than a year before he can return. Uh, after his knee surgery, uh, Joe, uh, Joey Janela was stripped of his WWN title, and a tournament will be held for the title at the 1028 Evolve show in Yerba City, Florida. Uh, and we've heard as well from other people that the prognosis might be that you're never going to be the same again. That, that, you know, what you've been able to do with your knee before, will ne- your knee is destroyed. You know what I mean? He, he essentially... He de- essentially dislocated his kneecap and his entire knee is fucked. So that sucks. That really sucks. It's going to be a year out. He tore, he tore everything in his knee. Yeah, which leads me to believe it was because because sometimes when when, <clears throat> when that happens, it's usually your kneecap like completely dislocates. Like the the Chris Livingston is is a famous one um, in the NBA. Chris, what, what, not Chris Livingston. What the hell is Sean Livingston? Why did I say Chris? Sean Livingston. Livingston. Very very tired. Um, where you know he comes down and his knee. You can see his kneecap to the side. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy yeah, Bridgewater. Oh, Teddy Bridgewater, too. Yeah, your whole knee is just gone. Everything in, everything disconnects. Your knee yeah. moves because everything is disconnected. Everything's gone. And that's the one that sucks the most because everything needs to get rehabbed. Everything is different. And, and yeah, you can come back healthy, but it's a huge road to recovery. It's not just simply, hey, we'll tie up the ACL and then stay off it for a little while, and then we'll start doing rehab and build you up a little bit. And, yeah, you could be back in six months, you know, on the on the plus side or, or, or really, you know, if we if we really try hard six to 10 months or whatever, but it probably should be about a year, but he's heard flat out a year now for what he happened, what happened now. So that really kind of stinks for, for Janela. So what are your thoughts on him being out a year and, and how can he, how can he stay relevant in that year? Because I think in, in some sense, it, it, obviously it sucks that this is happening, but if everybody, Janela seems like a guy who could, could maybe weather that storm for a year if he needed to. Well, it sucks for evolve too, because that was one of the <laughs> core, the core five that Sapolsky was talking about building around. And Janela was going to be a big part of that. So it's a big blow to Evolve, who is already suffering for star power at this point in time. So it's a big loss for them. It took Teddy Bridgewater almost two years to come back, like well over uh, a year. He didn't come back until the tail end of last football season after missing almost two full seasons. So it's, you know, when you totally tear up your knee like that, it's a horrible. And, and you know, like the doctor told Janela, um, you know, that, it, that uh, what were the exact words? It was, uh, he was, uh, uh, he, you know, Janela said, told the doctor that he plans on getting back in the ring, and the doctor told him he was nuts. So, um, you know, and that he'll never be the same again. Yeah, surprised now. that he's even coming back. Like the doctor's yeah. like, "What do you mean? <laughs> like, no, you're not wrestling again. What are you talking about? So, yeah. you know, you can try, but." Eh. And I believe, I believe Janela. I think he will be back. Oh, for sure. You know, he's nuts, and I think eventually he'll get back in the ring. And you know, it's pro wrestling, so you put on, you slap on a knee brace, you eliminate some stuff from the playbook, and you can get by on charisma and a toned-down style if you have to. The problem is it's Joey Janela. This is a man who jumps off roofs through flame, you know, through flaming tables on the back of a flatbed truck. I mean, so this is not someone who's ever going to tone down his style. 
So from that aspect, you know, he'll be back. You know, he'll be just as crazy when he is back, even if, you know, physically he can't, he just physically can't do some of the things he used to be able to do. Um, but it's going to be a long, long road. But to answer your question, uh, you know, and, and what horrible timing. He's like at the apex of his, uh, you know, uh, he's at like the nadir of his. I mean, this is just the worst time in his career arc for this to happen, you know, on the precipice of a big push in WWN and everything else. But with these Joey Janela branded shows in in Game Changer, the show in L.A. that they announced, uh, Spring Break 3, WrestleMania weekend, he can still have a presence, even if he can't do anything physical. So he's he can he can keep his name out there, which I think is the key. He's not going to like if this happened to Shane Strickland, you wouldn't hear the name Shane Strickland for 18 months. And then he'd have to start all over again when he came back. Joey Janela is going to keep his name out there because he's in a unique position where, you know, he has these shows that are branded around him. So um, it's unique in that aspect. And I think he'll do a better job, uh, you know, keeping his name fresh in people's minds than some other people would. Yeah, no, I think, and his name has enough of a, a weight to it now that yeah, if he can produce shows on his own, and I think one thing that he should do because he's he's a pretty good talker and he's 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 obviously got the ton of charisma as you said is he shouldn't be silent either. He shouldn't just go away for a year and, and not do anything. You know, I don't know what he can physically do, and, but you know, doing podcasts, doing uh, hosting a podcast, showing up on shows, cutting promos, doing whatever. I think he needs to stay active and stay in people's minds, and that's fine. I think sometimes that can be good, and I think he's a guy who can carry that for sure. And the year would fly by if he does that. If he sits at home and sulks, like that might suck. Like that's going to be bad, and, and and he might lose a lot of the buzz. But I think there's a way that if he hangs around a little bit and makes himself active and makes himself aware, uh, and, and and people see him a lot and they see the name, I think that year is going to fly by for him because he can produce shows, he can do commentary for shows, he can you know do promos. I, I think there's a lot of things that he can do that maybe other guys couldn't do. Other guys who got hurt or had this injury happen to them don't offer the same amount of value that Janela could by not wrestling. So I hope that he does do something with that. Yeah. And I think he will. Yeah. And, and if he's smart, he, he will too. Cause I mean, he's got too much talent, too much of a brain for the, the, the business to, uh, uh, to just sit out for the entire year. So we'll see, but yeah, it kind of sucks. We wanted to talk uh, briefly about that, but uh, all right, let's, uh, let's finish it up, Joe. Okay, you want me to set it up? Set it up. Okay, Rich, are you ready to bounce around Japan? Rich, first topic, and I know you're not going to believe this because, uh, you know, this man has never pulled a trick like this before. But at Sushi Onita, at the ripe age of 60. Yeah, he retired. Yeah, he's done. He did no, it last Rich. year. No. You are wrong. What? <laughs> what? He is he said he was done. No. no. He said he was done. No. He said you he was are done. wrong, sir. You are wrong, sir. Onita's returning once again. I watched, no, I watched his retirement show. I watched the retirement match. He was crying in the middle of the ring. It was you over. probably watched several of Oh, yeah. I don't retirement. remember which one it was. <laughs> You're right. I don't remember which one it was. In fact, I know exactly how many. You've watched seven of his retirements. <laughs> and then this is the seventh time... That he will he will be returning on 1028. Um, let me just ask you this, Rich. And I'm usually the one that gets in trouble on this podcast, so I'm going to set you up to get. In okay, yeah, let's do it. Because I know your real answer, and I want to see if you got the guts to say it. Do you give a single shit about Atsushi Onita coming out of retirement on 1028? No, I don't. Fuck no. I don't give a I don't, shit. I, I don't either. Yeah. I mean, it's the seventh fucking time. It's going to be some grimy show that draws, uh, you know, a couple thousand fans. And, you know, he came back last time. He had that little run in all Japan. And it was 
it was fun from a novelty aspect and 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 I get it, but I've I've had it with them. This is yeah. typical. If yeah, this I'm was nineteen ninety-three, okay, but and, and and I was a big as a of an Onita fan as anybody else was. Yeah, it's great. But, it was great. Yeah, and I and I go back and watch that stuff all the time, but it's like come on now. I mean and, and I would say the same thing about Terry Funk and I would say the same thing about you know whoever I, I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head other than those two because they're the two most chronic abusers of this but I can't get excited about Onita coming back no I, just, I don't I, care I, yeah he's gonna come with his leather jacket and wild thing and his fake face and just I don't care anymore it's, I, it's I don't care anymore I just it's 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 I, yeah I mean what do you what do you want me to say you know and then maybe he'll come back and have another run with another grimy promotion whether it's all Japan again or whether it's Wrestle 1 or whoever he's politically aligned with this time around and I I I don't I don't yeah. care. You know, I, I love to make, yeah, I love going back and watching some of his matches now, but I, I couldn't possibly fucking care less about his seventh return from retirement. So yeah, no. I can't get worked up for this. Um, you know, and I, I don't even care what the match winds up being. I just I can't get worked up for it. So uh, let's talk about something that's relevant. Next topic, Rich. Uh, we talked about him a bit earlier, but listen, as you know, Joe Lanza is known for being humble. I never oh, yeah. like. Yeah, one most, yeah, one of the most humble. I think, yeah, one of your, your nicknames is most humble man in uh, wrestling podcast. Absolutely. I never give myself backpats. I'm not one to do a victory lap. I'm not one to rub it in when I'm right. I'm not a I told you so kind of fella, Rich. And I think people know this about me. But uh, when I laid out the Pac five-step plan several weeks ago on this podcast, step one is that Pac would return to Dragon Gate. He's familiar with the territory. He's got unfinished business. It's a safe landing spot, yada, yada, yada. And uh, he turned out to be their version of X, their uh, mystery partner for the Red Stable. And ironically enough, he attacked Shingo, who may turn out to be an X, for another promotion later this week. But in all seriousness, Rich, uh, I'm not going to do a victory lap. Uh, but what I am going to say is where I think we differ. I, you never said that Pac was not going to come back to Dragon Gate. That's Correct. not what you said. What you said is you didn't think it was advantageous for Pac to come back to Dragon Gate. That is where we differ. I think it's a good move for Pac. I think it's a good move for Dragon Gate and Pac. I think it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Rich, you don't think it serves Pac much use to spend any time in Dragon Gate. So why don't you go ahead and defend your stance now that it's official and now that he has returned to Dragon Gate. Yeah, and I think... Of course, of all the players in this, advantageous as hell to Dragon Gate that he's coming there. I mean, Dragon Gate is as low as it has been in maybe ever. So him coming back there is such a brush of fresh air. We'll talk about it here in a bit. I mean, it feels like everything is rejuvenated. Everybody has a little bit more interest. We, we saw Dragon Gate's name being popped up on, on wrestling sites all over the place. People tweeting about it. Like, this is a, a huge boon to Dragon Gate. So I'm glad uh, that it happened. To me, though, I don't know that there's a ton of benefit for him because, as I said, because Dragon Gate is in the state they're in. And 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 I don't know that they're a major player in pro wrestling right now in 2018. Maybe he can get them back to that level. Maybe he can be a big part of it. I know he has a lot of loyalty to them, but I just don't know that him being in Dragon Gate is going to help his help anything. I, I don't know. I, to me, I just I, I struggle with the idea that Dragon Gate is something that's a great career move for anybody right now in 2018. To me, it's it's showing loyalty and all that sort of stuff, and and maybe he's there for a little bit and then moves on to something else. I just don't see it as a great launching pad to bigger and better things really for him right now. I feel like he could probably skip this entire step and just go to something else if he really wanted to and would probably wouldn't lose anything from it. I don't know that he necessarily needs to prove to anybody via a run in Dragon Gate. Not that I'm not going to enjoy it, not that I cannot wait to watch him in Dragon Gate. I just don't know that Dragon Gate offers much positive to, to, to a wrestler like a Pac right now in, in 2018. 
Okay, so we agree that this is uh, beneficial to Dragon Gate. I think. Oh, I mean, Jesus that. Christ! Yeah, they got more buzz off of this, at least among Western fans, than they, they have needed any the positive, any positive publicity they could get. They needed, and this is. And they've gotten it. And it yeah. seems to have drummed up some interest for them, and all those sorts of things. And uh, he he appears to be under uh, the same sort of persona as he was on 205 Live, right? He's got the same look. He's got that same heel look that he had at the end of 205 Live. He didn't come back as Pac. No, the he came back as greasy-haired, like, you King know. of the Cruiserweights. Yeah, That's exactly. what he did. So, so from that, and, and he joined a heel stable. Now, where I do disagree with you, and I'll lay out my points here, is I do think it's beneficial to him. Number one, it's familiar territory, and it's a safe landing spot. And he'll be comfortable. So from that aspect, it's a good place to shake the rust off. The guy hasn't wrestled in a million, in, in, in like a year. Yeah. Okay. And he's going to a comfortable place where he's familiar with the roster. And well, it sort of. Look, it may <laughs> look a little different now. Yeah, he's uh, like, uh, hey, mates, what's going on here? <laughs> Who are all these guys? Like, we're in a Yeah, you know, so uh, he's, he's minus a few bases here. But, um, you know, he's familiar with the territory. He's familiar with the roster. He has built-in storylines. And he'll be comfortable. And it's a good place to shake the rust off. And I do think, because of the added attention he brings to Dragon Gate, that it'll help build up some momentum for him, too. Here's one thing where people are missing the plot. I see a lot of people have, and we're not going to have this dopey debate because I think it's stupid. But the big argument out there is, ah, why didn't he come to New Japan? And, oh, I hope he never goes to New Japan. And all they, they could all have that fight themselves. I think it's a dumb fight. Uh, but but uh, what I think is, it, because eventually I think at some point he's going to end up in New Japan anyway. Okay? But the, the thing is, just because he's in Dragon Gate, 